Second Bananas is recorded on unceded indigenous land belonging to the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Unceded means that this land was never surrendered, relinquished, or handed over in any way. We support the various strategies that indigenous peoples use to protect their land and their communities, and we commit to working in solidarity with them. We acknowledge that as people living and working on these lands, we are accountable to those who have cared for this land since time immemorial. It is our intention to continue learning how to honor this responsibility. not gonna see you okay but you know whatever <laughs> like yeah 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 we'll see we'll see oh, what a cool conversation to have with friends <laughs> <laughs> i know right classic right? that's yeah. what you want but it's funny because i mean i would never have thought these friends of ours to like not even consider not getting the vaccine right, yeah. so it just goes to show that it's like yeah they're among us <laughs> well even like we went to we did I, there was like the screening for the 48 hour film festival i did yeah and uh-huh. our production designer, Armando, he, he, what did he say that was like, oh, he was talking about how many more people the heat wave killed than the the vaccine, than the COVID or whatever. And I was <laughs> like, really? I don't think, maybe no. in BC, no, because the heat it's wave is not like even. seven, no, it's like 700 people. So the heat wave, I thought it was like 300. No, it's up to like oh. 600 now. Oh, like as a anyway. heat related death. So, oh, okay. Which like, so like, I don't no. know. It just felt very weird and uncomfortable. COVID, but... And like, we were like, yeah, but like, they're not really like, you can't really compare yeah. them directly either. <laughs> like, <laughs> like absolutely the government right. bungled both of them, but you know. <laughs> yeah, there's, not, anyway. there's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. What it does is just good, like, good oh argument. my God. <laughs> what a take to have. Like, oh yeah. Well, actually yeah. it's fine. Like, I actually, don't ever heard of the holocaust yeah <laughs> uh tess welcome to the podcast uh, can't vaccinate against the holocaust you got it <laughs> you can't actually what is like yeah i feel it's like a similar argument yeah. <laughs> you killed this thing killed more people so obviously i'm right i don't even know what is i think i don't even know if it was like an anti-vax thing or if it was just kind of like uh, uh like the, the government fucked up the heat wave which they did but like i was just like <laughs> fucked up the heat wave what, yeah. what do you do you want to uh, okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah anyway yeah. let's get this sucker started i guess yeah let's do a podcast yeah. let's do a podcast Welcome, everyone, to Second Bananas, the podcast about history's greatest Garfunkels, the clout behind the clout that you didn't know about, and something, something Cinderella. I haven't figured that third one out yet. Uh, I'm your host, Joe. Hey, I'm Wes. And I'm Craig. And we have very special guest, Tess Ennelly Reed. I'm so excited. Yeah, welcome to the pod, Tess. Thanks for uh, coming. Welcome assistant to director, story artist, comic artist, uh, Cool poster, etc. Um, what's yeah. up, Tess? How's it going? Oh, How's Toronto? My gosh, Toronto is just like we're soon opening up like theaters. Uh, if you're listening to this in the far future, oh, yeah. this is a mid to late <laughs> pandemic recording. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's Things some of us are double vaxxed. Yeah. 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 That's. Oh my god! Yeah, as of yesterday, I am fully vaxxed. I'm. I Yay. don't really want to go anywhere, Amazing. but like, I could. 
Exactly. Well exactly. Done. Good for you. Common sentiment. Yeah. I wonder if that's going to be a big thing. The like vaccine, whatever proof passport because like once you you get the passport it's like yeah it doesn't look like it's a document that's like super like official or anything it looks like well, it they, could definitely yeah. easily be forged yeah. so i don't know if that's gonna be uh something that at least as business establishments really take seriously as like something that they're gonna it, like stop people from coming in or not based on this, i can like, tell piece you of paper. like i've i've been i've been like around i haven't like gone anywhere but i haven't seen any signs that say like present yeah. vaccine passport or right. whatever i don't even know if it's really a thing here so it might be in like certain like freaky. yeah maybe in more extreme cases like i don't know, like air travel to certain places or something like that but yeah i don't yeah think i don't know about travel travel but um, occurrence tess what is it is it what are what's the mask rules now in toronto like um okay as far as i know as someone who like team mask love you masks uh <laughs> uh pl- mm, Please wear a mask. That might be a right, personal right. Yeah. rule, but then uh, also, like, are there still hard and fast rules in Toronto? Like, or is it sort of like up to establishments to like decide on their mask? Because that's what it is in Vancouver right now. It's nowhere. Man, masks aren't no longer mandatory in public buildings. Oh. Uh, a lot of places are still having their own individual. You need to wear a mask. Oh, damn. Um, okay, it's but, not like that in yeah. Toronto. Like, you do oh. definitely still need to wear a mask in, especially public establishments, let alone, um, like, private businesses. Um, right. Uh, yeah, that's... Wow, okay, no, we are still definitely on the mask train, um, and I imagine that will be still for that's a little good. bit. Uh, but we're just starting to, like, open up gyms this week, and even then, like, oh, you okay. still need to wear a mask at that point. Right. Because like there it was like full lockdown, right? Yes. Like you were even like stuck in your houses at one point because we never had that in BC. So that's oh. like a big difference when we like when we had Matt on as well, it was the same thing. It was like, right, like you are in full lockdown mode right now. Yeah. Like you can't you can't go anywhere except to like get groceries or whatever. Whereas like because BC had the 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 later spring break, we never got hit with cases at the same like right, early rate so it kind of like gave bc this weird overconfidence and never they never especially in <laughs> vancouver they never really shut anything down it was we were fully like oh we're better than everybody else because our cases are lower and then they weren't oh <laughs> wow that's wild okay the fact that it yeah. because i i mean you'll hear about when there are larger outbreaks across the country so i i just assumed well that's what's happening in ontario Obviously, that would happen in other provinces, but wow, that's so, that's kind of more difficult to deal with because at least, even though um, Ontario is run by a terrible person, um, there were- We're calling you out, Doug Ford. (laughs) You're a terrible person. Nobody said that before. (laughs) Scoop. Yeah. Your chickens are coming (laughs) home to roost. Yeah. (laughs) Dougie. At least there was like a clear lockdown mandate with- uh, a variety of clear and not clear requirements, but at least you kind of knew what the situation was. That sounds worse because you're still trying to feel things out and it's you're kind of helpless because you don't, you know what you should be doing, but there's no, there's no public work telling you what should be happening. Right. That's like, that seems as there's a lot of confusing like things. It's like, yeah, don't do this, but at the same time, we're going to leave everything open in case you yeah. want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and oh yeah, that last holiday weekend, all of the leading politicians in the province took uh, out of province or out of country holiday. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, totally. You know, just read into that whatever you want, right? And right. Well, distill or, that into your, you know, your own little practice. Don't do this, but we're gonna do this. And then it got really bad. This. Like we had a big summer spike, and then they were like, "Okay, you can't travel outside your health region," and there are maybe like three health regions in the lower mainland like our health region is literally all the way out to like abbotsford or something like that so it's like okay so you can basically like do all the normal weekend stuff except you can't travel to squamish because that's technically its own health region and Mm -hmm. it was just like what what is this gonna do (laughs) like and not enforced i don't think either and not enforced yeah of course, yeah. Which probably better than it being enforced because I'm sure it would have been for enforced very shittily. Yes, but yeah, yeah. that would have been a shame. Oh my god, we're coming out of it. But Canada there, is healing. But there weren't any issues or anything in um in Toronto with people's right to sell a barbecue being infringed no. upon oh, or anything like no. that, right, Tess? No, at an okay. unlicensed restaurant. Yeah. Phew, phew. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Thankfully, that because that would have been you know a shade too far. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> we did have we did have one guy that tried to pull that Adam Skelly barbecue stuff. Um, he had an Italian place called Gusto, um, and what was funny was he decided to defy the the no indoor dining ban because we had had like we had a period where people could indoor dine, and then in the summer they cut that off at the start, like in like I think it was early or late May, right? And it coincided with like a long weekend and. The place is the the restaurant is actually like a short block, walk from my my apartment, so we had the the day off, and we went there and got food as they were filming, and we didn't even because the the restaurants had been open and we weren't like going into restaurants and sitting, but we went in, we had our masks on, we got takeout and left, and then we saw CTV camera outside and we were like, oh cool, and then later my wife was like watching the news and she was like that was they were filming this today and it was like yeah the guy is like i'm not i'm defying the order like i'm doing this for my for my staff who need the shifts it's like okay if you're doing this for your staff why don't you just pay them and let them stay home where it's safe (laughs) no (laughs) yeah that never they focus it on a couple of two jokers look at those people just getting food getting takeout oh my god (laughs) look at that guy's beard that guy should shave his beard oh my god (laughs) It is true. It does seem like COVID has turned into a real reckoning for like the the food like industry, the yeah. service and delivery, and yeah, it's just like now everyone's quitting and there's like a shortage. Like they can't they can't find people to like good to, to do these good. jobs that they weren't paying Ooh. them enough to do in the first place. So yeah. yes, mm-hmm. yes. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> Let die what must die. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. The moral of today. <laughs> Actually, That's, kind of, yeah. Yeah, T- we're going to... Tess has a let die what must die uh, poster in her background that we've <laughs> yeah, been there's a riffing little, on. You got, nobody can see this except us. It's a little Easter egg for the for the hosts <laughs> and guests. It's not It's not for the viewers. Not for the listeners, it's for, sorry. It's not for you. Uh, maybe we'll post a screen cap if we really feel like it, but I doubt <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, but yeah, so Tess has come on the podcast today, and the subject you chose was a real interesting one that... Uh, opened up a whole mm-hmm. wonderful world for me Indeed. and that is the Bratz dolls oh yeah i hope that was yes. so fun for you guys to learn about <laughs> it was i mean it, it definitely <laughs> took some turns that i didn't expect but i the thing that i thought was really interesting was just how like 
competitive the doll industry was and that these dolls have like storyline and canon that exists oh my like God. just as the dolls not as like a movie or not as a thing like the dolls themselves have canon and, yeah, and stuff it's like, so they'll be it's like, like magic cards yeah, it's the same like thing it's the same thing as like action people figures. with like what's going on with the dolls lives like yeah i didn't know that barbie and like these brats dolls and these other lines have have you, these own lives that get updated through these canon canonical newsletters and things like that you got to have the canon you have to have the canon because you have to have something to put on the the packaging and the marketing materials right that sucks sucks children in humans, it's the same with humans boys. need narratives well yeah. i voted yeah. for boys toys yes we yeah did. well doll collecting Good i think price. is a huge hobby so i feel like there are these doll collectors and stuff that it's like this you know big subgenre where there'll, there'll be these collectors that will be super involved and yes need to need all these updates and yeah 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 yeah. i can see it i feel it yeah. i'm here for it especially when you look at things like american girl dolls i think you most Thank associate you. narrative dolls with because they come with uh, a book they come with all yeah the that's true history. Uh, that's good i was just talking with my wife she brought up american doll i told her that we were doing brats uh today and she was like, oh, I wonder, like, what about American Doll as, like, a, a top banana or whatever? And I was like, what's what's American Doll? I feel like <laughs> oh, I've heard of it, dude. but I, like, I don't see it in stores or anything. So it's, like, a luxury, like, doll that, like, I think it just has its own store. I don't even know if they're sold in other stores, are they? I mean, like, yeah. I, so, yeah, I don't want to yeah. get too we're, – we're talking about brats today, Wes. Brats, <laughs> yeah. I, but yeah. Uh, American Dolls – they there was an American doll store in the chapters downtown here in Vancouver before they closed that that three story chapters in on Granville Street down. Uh, but I think that's the only one in Vancouver. But I could okay. be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, that's a that seems like an interesting thing on its own because it's almost like like super exclusive. And it's like normally you'd think these dolls like you'd want them to be sold everywhere, but no, they're like highly customizable sought Lectable. after yeah, yeah. kind of yeah. so and, interesting and the, so these are like the very rigid like uh one and a half size or like two and a half yeah. size dolls yeah, yeah. they look okay. like almost like grown-up cabbage patch kids or something like right that. right yeah. okay <laughs> yeah they do well the interesting I, I i start i went i went down a few rabbit holes um some very seedy rabbit holes uh <laughs> yes. thank you tess yes um i went down a few rabbit holes doing some research for this but one of the most interesting ones ones was the Blythe dolls which were mm. sort of like popular pre-barbie and they're sort of like you know the big eyes like that movie that tim burton did about the lady who painted all those pictures and her husband claimed yeah i never it. saw that but yeah they're sort of like the doll equivalent of that and they've sort of become like the hipster, like alternative doll to collect now. Absolutely. And the, oh. apparently the Japanese, they're quite big in Japan, yeah. which is a classic, Ooh, classic hipster thing. Um, yeah. But they have sort of that larger head with the really big eyes. But right. Barbie sort of killed that doll from what I understand. Oh, it was that like was a Mattel? Sort of like, oh. No, it wasn't a Mattel. It was like another company, but Barbie sort okay. of like oh, supplanted like, that doll in the American right. consciousness, which we will predated, talk about Barbie and, and Brats and their relationship. Yeah, because because Barbie, sure. Barbie is our top banana. Okay, that's what I would have assumed. <laughs> but that's interesting because as you say, like whatever that, that the dolls with like the bigger eyes and like the more stylized looks, that's what I feel like Brats, when they hit the scene, they were they kind of like took that and ran with it. Whereas what was around before then was mostly like more realistic 
kind of human stuff they kind of yeah did the bigger eyes and like big feet and kind of yeah had a much more stylized approach to what their dolls looked like which i i think helped them because i feel like as you said those dolls that you said came out feels like they were kind of copying like the brats style which i think they definitely swayed the industry in that direction of not just doing uh realistic human doll faces yeah absolutely totally um so now that the men have talked uh (laughs) tess (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna hit that one again but um tess so what a why did sort of like combination why did you choose this subject like what uh, what what drew you to this one uh what made you present it as an option to us and also like what is your sort of like personal brats canon experience essentially yeah so like i i definitely have a covetous history with brats um i never actually owned them but my friend did in like 2002 2004 Uh. he had sasha megan cameron and eaton i think his name's eaton or eaton i'm not super sure how you say his name uh and so might be eaton i don't know depending yeah so she had them i go over to her place and we'd play with them and i personally like really liked megan uh her nickname was the i think it was funky fashion monkey and uh yeah we would like we we'd play with them and one of the things that like we definitely do is with her barbies like it would definitely like it would definitely be a, these are the cool girls, the brats, because they're not like other girls. And there would be mm. the Barbies. And those were like in the vernacular of uh, like an 11 year old. Those were the preps. So they were <laughs> obviously against them and we'd make them fight. And like, Barbies are totally the preps. <laughs> 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 now, did scale come into here? Because the, the Barbies are quite a bit bigger and I feel like they could take a couple of the brats dolls. <laughs> no but the brats are feisty the brats have the brats have street smarts barbie's spending too much time at the country club unfortunately that's true the the brats are scrappier yeah they got got full of brains in there they got street smarts (laughs) that's true bigger brains as well obviously oh my god yeah so when we were playing with them like we definitely had like these like antagonistic storylines happening because that just seemed natural because the brat stalls were obviously the cooler ones with like cooler clothes so those are the ones that we were drawn to and then the barbies were yesterday's news so and like that like antagonistic relationship Mm -hmm. is like such an essential illustration of brats versus barbie as a whole like it's that's such a like when you think of brats you also think of barbie because they are so interconnected you prophesied yeah. it yes you prophesied it yes. happening totally i think that it was actually kind to... of post yeah. that controversy 2010 right like i'm not re- we'll get into that we will get into that but it is hard to think of any doll line without comparing it to barbie yes absolutely i feel yeah yeah they're so oh, essentially yeah. barbie, barbie the goat i guess um <laughs> something like that the, the 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 very white goat which uh that was a big it... part of this for my research as well so um, I was just going to say, Tess, like, I don't, I, I feel like I thought brats were older than they are. Like, I thought I remembered seeing them on toy shelves when I was a kid, kid. Okay. But like, now I'm reading that they came out in like 2003 initially. I really thought um, it was 2001. 
Um, oh wait, yeah, maybe that's their to- it was, toy line. It, yeah. So I would in 2001, I was already in 10th grade. Like I was already 15, 14 or 15. <laughs> humble brag. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Humble brag. <laughs> humble brag. Humble brag of how of my age exactly. I was born, I was born in this year, you guys. <laughs> I uh, I didn't mean to brag, but 1985, Year of the Dragon or whatever it is. Uh, Lucky. I don't think it actually is. I just I I don't know. I don't know that shit. Uh, <laughs> But um, but I definitely I thought I remembered like seeing them in the toy aisle when I was like still buying toys. But definitely by two thousand one, I was not like buying toys where any I thought anybody who saw me might know. So I think I just probably saw them on shelves, and I definitely remember hearing about the the quote unquote controversy surrounding them at that time. Um, but I've, unfortunately, I never played with them. I never really, never really got into brats in that. Not tenth grade. I saw a few. Yeah. No. No. I actually worked at a Zeller's. I think around that time, okay. and I remember seeing them on toy shelves. And I might have even had the opportunity to play with one or two. Uh, well, but I didn't one? know. I didn't know that the controversy there was like a brewing maybe around the launch or or whatever. But that kind of goes to show, like. Like the fact that you guys are like so familiar with them and even thought, oh, they've been around longer than you expected is because like brats are probably like the only fashion doll, at least in like North America, that have at least a mainstream success that is comparable to Barbie. And like mm-hmm. e- even like so many other dolls, like you guys were mentioning, uh, have have followed in the footsteps of like the aesthetics and styles of Bratz that like Bratz success feels like it's so much more cemented that it could be long. It could have a lineage longer than like two decades. As we said, like uh, we all work in animation and uh, I don't know a single person who hasn't crossed paths with monster high at some point, which is (laughs) actually Mattel's Mattel's direct answer to Bratz. Ah. uh, Interestingly enough. So, um, right. Yeah, I think it's like, and that's the other thing they did. They kind of like, they kind of like roused the beast in a way. And we'll definitely get into that more, but, but you're absolutely right. Like brats are like, they're the, they're the, they're the like underdog. They're kind of like the, the, the heel of the doll world almost to Barbie's face, you know, but also sort of, yeah, like an underdog, like kind of fan favorite, Mm -hmm. Um, a little more scrappy, you know, as we said, a little more like a fighter who's uh, looking to win that belt or whatever. Yeah, but I think we got to be careful. Like when we think of underdogs, like stories often tell us you got to root for the underdog, but brats, yes. not necessarily a moral preference to Barbie because- No, no, I think, bad. yeah. <laughs> this is definitely not a good dog, bad dog situation. <laughs> like they're yeah. both like uh, very, they're both dolls made by giant mega corporations that- <laughs> want to use insecurities to make you buy things so <laughs> yeah yeah uh, craig what's tracks. your experience with brats yeah. what do you got for us extremely what's the psychic limited. imprint brats <laughs> yeah. has left on your brain no brats? extremely extremely limited hands-on um i mean i was i guess aware of them more through um and i don't know the exact connection but the um lol surprise dolls was is like the main connection that I have to Bratz mm-hmm. through my nieces because that's uh, what yes. they want for their birthdays and Christmases. <laughs> Are they still stuff. into that? Like, is that current? Uh, that's like... current. Like, they're okay. still. Uh, this is within like the last few years. Um, right. Yeah. That they so that's really when they came onto my radar. Um, I did, however, 
play with toys like dolls, figurines, or whatever that, yeah. were, that were geared towards females when I was, you know, like eight, nine years old. Um, because I had I had a close friend who was a girl, and we just like kind of mix and jumbled toys and like lent each other different toys, and so I had one of her My Little Ponies, and she had one of my Ninja Turtles, and we would like because when we went to each other's houses, we'd want to have like other ones for yeah. that we were more familiar with to play with and stuff like that. So I ended up getting a few you know, I guess, non-gender conforming toys <laughs> over the course of my yeah. youth, uh, which yeah, I thought was, your, great, was great. Yeah, put some, you can put the your G.I. Joes in the Barbie Dream Corvette like that. Oh, dude, and He-Man totally fine. fits on the back of a My Little Pony. So exactly. all, that's, that's, all, yeah, that's, that's, that's the crossover <laughs> we're missing. That's right. what we want to see today. He-Man, My Little Pony. That's, that's, what, right? that's, oh, that's what audiences oh, are clamoring I, for. It'll probably happen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah i mean obviously i think i have as an adult i have my own impression about you know sexualization of young adult or young people um and the right the influence that they have on their parents purchasing uh patterns which is the entire <laughs> reason why three quarters of the well more why, why the entire podcast is employed at this stage i mean i don't want to presume what you do test but no, we're in the same thing. yeah yeah toy, toys are paying the bill oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. Um, ip pays the bills in these yeah. households merchandising it's true and it's an angle you know it's one of those things that and i'm getting like really high level re really quickly i guess but the best way to sell people is to play to like their base emotions right to manipulate their base emotions the same way as that's how that's the best way to achieve political goals or to whatever it is um and this is like textbook <laughs> play on like sexuality and insecurities around like how you identify how the world sees you and to give young people a place or like something that makes them feel like they belong or that they can identify with or aspire or to can, right I aspire think to yeah exactly the other key of these dolls um like and then if you can like collect them and have it be kind of like a little cottage industry of trading and who's got what and who's got the newest one and the mo most edgiest one and all that stuff mm -hmm. um like i feel like growing up in the 90s there was like wave after wave after wave of like consumer products that were kind of tapping into different aspects of maybe not sexualization per se, but you know, identity. And like, are you, like you were saying Tess about like the, the preps, the, the preppy girls and like the, the like alternative or like the less conventional, I don't know. Not like the um, other girls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's like, you know, that's an identity that you can embrace and that you can fill out the rest of yourself right. around and like actualize to some degree in many cases i think before you actually realize who you really are before you're able to realize who you really are which is probably the biggest thing to me i think as an adult to be like pandered to or to be manipulated through your emotions you just kind of need to be more aware of that shit but as a kid like you haven't had a chance you don't have a fighting chance against this stuff <laughs> this stuff is like completely no, no. overwhelming you, you got You've got no defenses. Yeah, you see, you see your friends. And I don't know what like, you guys are talking about. I was, uh, I was, uh, I was completely immune to marketing when I was 
12 years old. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a funny trick that we're kind of playing on ourselves. This is how we like drive our economy in a, in a big way. Well, yeah. is, by selling, is by selling the next generation like well, you mani know, through manipulation. <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, it's like playing to the base emotions, but it's almost not even playing to the base emotions of of these kids. Well, I mean, it is because like, yeah, they're, they're playing to the sexuality and like fear of like not being accepted to your friend group or things like that. But it's also they know that they just want to make things that kids want to buy and kids like want to seem like more grown up than they are. So it's like, well, yes, that's they a need huge, to play up to this right? like, yeah, teen sexy teen whatever appeal because like kids want to feel like more grown up than they are and yeah so, i think like yeah. and that's like a normal impulse for kids like they want to like kids want to like they get to a certain age and they want to be grown-ups right like they yeah. don't they want to be they want to be like they want they, the they, they all of a sudden see this yeah. grown-up world and they want that it's you're right like autonomy and all that stuff and they want to be like they see the grown-ups sort of have these reputations and stuff and they they build that and like and it's, it's the perfect age to sort of like market that aspiration to. And like, I mean, we talk, they talk about that in, in marketing all the time is like, well, you always, you make your, your, your sort of like product, like whatever your, whatever show, if you're making an animated show, it's like, well, what's the target audience that you want? Well, the characters have to be above that age because right. that's who they want to imagine themselves yeah. as. Right? right. And it's like true exactly. with toys as well. It's like, not exactly, but it's like, yeah, a lot of, kids at that age want to imagine themselves as slightly older slightly more confident slightly more like like respected etc more freedom so rebellious <laughs> or rebellious. like or sexy or whatever like appealing in like in a, in a grown-up way yeah. or whatever yeah. it is right and i think like that's like when you talk about like the grown-up aspect i think that's one of the things that helped brats in a way that Barbie didn't have is Barbie is so inherently adult like all of like her narratives are very adult she's not very much coded as a teen because she's mm -hmm. so based in like womanhood whereas mm -hmm. brats like they they are cool teens like they have a level of freedom that adults don't have they don't have that responsibility they can just hang out chase boys and go to the mall as like that's very much how they're narratives as characters are framed within the product and like and also right. another whole aspect that did help brats is that like whiteness isn't inherently the primary aspect of them like their diversity is so yeah. deeply ingrained because barbie barbie is white but brats mm -hmm. is not just the main white girl chloe like brats is all four and more of them yeah, right. I think that's also like a big part of Bratz's appeal is like, unlike Barbie, they are really an ensemble. Like, like I think like there's a quote from the CEO when they were building this product after he sort of bought it from the guy who created everything. He was like, no, the people were like, well, we only want like apparently like like people told them, well, we only want the white doll. And he was like, no, you have to buy all four, which like the, we'll get into why that CEO is also a huge piece of shit. But like that was part of the he what he I think he was at least either clever enough or just like didn't realize and kind of was just like trying to make a point or whatever. I don't know. But he was like, no, no, we're going to find, we're going to get those girls that, because like, I didn't even realize this, but Barbie, Barbie had like non-white variants at this point, but they were not easily findable. And I think they had kind of been discontinued. Like that was a big part mm -hmm. of Bratz's appeal too, was like that you could get not only 
like a black doll, but like there was an Asian character and a sort of like the one yeah, was sort of Latina, Latina and stuff like that. So yeah. it was definitely like a huge, and even though the, they, they, again, like there's, we'll get into this more as like their features were like quote unquote ethnic urban. Like there's all those uncomfortable, mm-hmm. those, those weird <laughs> right, terms right. that come around them that, but it was like, they were designed to look more like non-white and play into like non-white cultural uh, ideas of beauty and stuff like that as well. Yeah. That had sort of started to push into the mainstream. And that was also, that's something that the hypersexualization also like the, the conversation around it was not prepared for was how much that was not the, the difference in the difference between white and non-white like conceptions of sexuality versus just like, Hmm. womanhood or like like even figure and form and stuff like that it's really it's really one of those things where like you couldn't separate the racial aspect from the sexual aspect in a lot of ways in that time because like in in culture like like non-white women especially were coded as very hypersexual right as well at that time period like you didn't really see non-hypersexual like black hmm. or Lat- latinx uh women especially didn't in hurt. mainstream culture and or asian especially yeah yeah that too yeah so uh yeah i definitely think that like looking back now there the like the diversity of the the dolls is like probably a huge strength but yes i i imagine they probably had so many so many cringy conversations about like which dolls are selling best and like which dolls to like we need to maybe lighten the skin on this or something like that or we need a new whatever like well this this is something that we have to we're we're gonna definitely explore more but like how much was in like it was totally intentional too right like all of this like the only reason brats are famous is because of the the controversies surrounding them i think like not a hundred percent like obviously once they got in the market it didn't hurt and it really like defined them as sort of like again like there was this juggernaut barbie and it was like that was the doll like it's like Disney. It's like, there's no other, like, it, especially in the nineties, mm-hmm. it was like, there was Disney and there was Barbie and there was like, yeah. Comic books, yeah. I guess. Like, I don't <laughs> know what else, I don't know what else to say. Right. Like Ninja <laughs> Turtles, I guess it's like, those are like the boy things. Right. But it was like, there were these huge juggernauts and we didn't have the internet quite yet or the early two thousands. We, the internet was just starting and all this stuff. Like um, there's, there's, there's like something about like, they had to sort of come out swinging and be, be that like the like the brat the brats literally like be the the one that stands out and sort of catches people's attention good or bad in order to sort of like even come close to challenging barbie right yeah right i do think like now you bring up all those different like toy lines like ninja turtles and like transformers and like things like that it's interesting for me to think back on like the difference between girls and boys and it's like when you're trying to sell something like yeah those boys toys like had it on lock you had like multiple like just so many different characters and stuff to choose from whereas like a lot of the girl lines you would have one doll and then you could get like you could accessorize for it kind of thing it's like i don't think of too many things where it's like oh you bought like a bunch of different things like maybe there's like the poly pockets but even still that's like all poly it's not like it's not like you're getting like a whole bunch of different characters that you would want to try and collect them all like a pokemon situation yeah, they were very much not. I mean, there were narratives associated with each doll, and the same goes with like the worlds Polly Pocket created, or or the different storylines of like Kelly versus Skateboard versus Barbie, and all the different storylines and relationships between Bratz dolls. But 
the the play was very much based on either aesthetic play like hair or accessorizing or yeah. it was you need to create your own narratives it wasn't so much based on um on like previous existing yeah 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 that's very true yeah there were there weren't too many like yeah the only ones i can think of are like yeah there's but yeah even Polly pocket started out as a toy i think so mm -hmm. i can't really think of any except for maybe my little pony no like everything every every cartoon starts out as a toy it's like you make the cartoons to sell the toys now well definitely and, like yeah in in yeah early on especially in the, in the 90s, 80s, right? the 90s like, that was yeah. the peak of that but for uh, sure yeah i think so getting into some more specific pieces like i think like i um there's a couple of really great ones like a, a brief investigation into the complicated history of brats from w magazine kind of covered a lot of stuff and it was interesting um one of the things the start of the article it's like uh talking about this now it calls calls her a brats brand creative and like someone named mark Hantos, and like yeah. if you go to her instagram it's like a mix of Bratz dolls and then like her posing in like bikinis and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And uh, very like, it, like, again, like it just, it was just kind of interesting to me that like, that's how that article opened. And I, I still can't tell if she's like endorsed by Bratz or anything, or if she's just such a huge figure in like the Bratz community, but like. It's kind um, of, it's kind of both. Like she, she was doing a lot of, um, like fan work with brats the way i understand like she was doing a lot of fan work with brats and design like messing with brats and just she had a huge collection of them back home and i think somehow like she got actually hooked up with mga and has been really been like a steadfast like a cult uh, following like brand ambassador and i think a creative force behind like the reboot that's happening right now like i even like the, saw the reboot the, the third reboot in the past like yeah, yeah. five years <laughs> interestingly enough <laughs> i kept thinking like why do it is this another they reboot just... is this a new one <laughs> I mean, we keep trying to let die what must die and the brats <laughs> just keep coming back, right? Like they keep, they just keep going like brats are coming back. Brats are coming back every yeah. couple of years. Well, so they've been saying like, I think the brats website finally like came back to life last <laughs> August, but it hasn't changed since last August. It's just been coming soon. And I know nice. they re-released -re some dolls, but like, I'm not really sure what's actually going to happen because it's the 20th anniversary, I think, now. Uh, but like, yes. Mark Cantos, I think she did, like, the logo, like, 20, 20 years, and years definitely has a Z. Uh, <laughs> yes. Love it. Everything has a Z <laughs> for Bratz. It's absolutely wonderful. <laughs> it's, like, baby Bratz, Bratz kids, <laughs> like, boy Bratz, everything. And there's so many spinoffs. That's the other thing that we, I even, like, Tess, you were saying like one of the when you said Megan the 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 funky fashion monkey or whatever, mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah. So she's from one of the wake. Everyone saw. Yes, uh, yes she was. <laughs> yeah, actually, she's sort of more. And um, interestingly, like safe. if you go to the list of Brad's characters on Wikipedia, it is it, it's enormous. There's yeah. so many. Like, I did not really? realize how many. <laughs> doing it I, I think like the big thing was always like the. They call them the quote unquote core four of Thank like Chloe was. or J J Chloe, Jade, Sasha, and Yasmin. Yeah, we got them. Um, you, but Yasmin, like there yeah. are so many others, and it's right. um, 
like clearly they were just like well we need to get one out as much as possible right Mm -hmm. but then they would write all this stuff this stuff about their characters and like some became more canon than others and clearly every like unlike barbie i think there is like that like a thousand true fans (laughs) thing going on like there's a lot it just seems like there's a lot more people passionate a smaller core group of people that are passionate about brats and like are the brats heads whereas like I think like the Barbie Barbie is just like, well, every girl has a Barbie and like every kid now is starting to have a Barbie. Like they're just ubiquitous. Whereas like Bratz really gets that. Like if you love Bratz, you love Bratz, right? Like that's kind mm-hmm. of what they're going for. Like, <laughs> yeah. And that probably explains why they keep having to be like, Bratz are coming back. Bratz are coming back. Cause they really have to play on that nostalgia feeling of them. Yeah. Mm. We're like, Barbie is like an ever present, uh, omniscient, uh, like, it's an barbie has existed forever and will die when humanity dies like barbie yeah, exactly. is just there it's hard to they'll be yeah. like like in two two thousand years when like aliens excavate our like dying planet they'll find these barbie dolls and assume they were like goddesses that we worshipped yes. <laughs> and the brats will be like the devil figures the adversaries <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man gosh. i don't one uh one interesting point that I do remember, and I I'm not sure at what point in the Brats lineup this was or what revamp was, but to their credit, I think they are the first like doll line that introduced the same sex like couple and officially was like, oh, these two brats like they're hooking up. They fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <They're> like <laughs> Nevra and, and Roxy, then, they yeah, kiss. Yeah, so nice. Yes, uh, that was yeah, and so, wow. and so that's cool. And the funny thing, I, I I remember that, and I think in like response to that, Mattel was like, "Oh, Barbie's bisexual. Like she's totally bi. Like she remember that time like her did Barbie, friend did they like actually sat together. Say that? Yeah, they did one hundred percent. I am. That's shocking to me that that yeah. they would actually. That's like Disney with gay characters. I didn't think Barbie would actually do it. They straight up said that she's like bi just to be is like, it, oh, is come it on, a good guys, idea we're... to Google Barbie bisexual? I don't know I if think... it is. I am. Yeah. I, my search my search history can't get any more tainted oh. so i'll do it for us oh lgbtqnation.com asks did barbie co- just come out as bi on instagram oh boom uh, barbie i know wow. they, oh because i thought it was official but that makes it seem like maybe it wasn't oh my god well Re- resurface photos spark twitter you're just talking as if like barbie is a human being who's like yeah she's got so she's well, that's what i'm saying like these like yes these stories these storylines for the dolls is like wow they they have lives that like are just like going on they're like talking about how barbie like oh barbie broke up with ken back in 2011 but they should well, go back uh, together with okay, him this, in 2017 this is like, <laughs> like honestly like this is the the thing about like all these brands now and like the way brands have evolved now is like like they even have like i think they refer at one point in that article i was talking about with uh mark Hantos, is like they refer to the brats community and stuff and like these weird ways of talking about it because there are like super fans that are like you know like like Mark Hantos and these other people who sort of like like did continue this brats aesthetic or whatever or incorporated into their like their their own online brands and um it's like the thing about brats is like they're so it just there's like this weird mix of like <sighs> there's something kind of icky about them, but there's also something really cool about them. Like they just, you can't. They're just cool girls that care about fashion. Yeah, that's it. That's all there is. (laughs) They're they're, they're very straight laced, normal, cool girls that care about fashion. And there's no controversy. It's It's just even getting into the controversy around them. It's like, 
again, like I was saying earlier, like some of the articles from the time of when they were like sparking all the controversy are like so fucking racist yeah. or so like, just like, like the, they sparked such a moral panic in a way that now it's like, well, you can either love the brats or hate the brats. And it's like, but there's this weird complexness to them that Barbie doesn't have like Barbie is like or I guess now she does because she's secretly came out as bi on Instagram or like queer baited all her followers into like thinking (laughs) well it's like I don't know what else I hate I don't know maybe I shouldn't use that term because I'm but like because I'm not part of the community but like that's what it is because like you know they don't Mm. actually say but they also have this poster of her like like even they they have they have like it, they could be in the photo they could be holding hands or they could just be putting their hands down behind this dog you don't know right like <laughs> it, it just like gets other. to this this weirdness of like of like the chill like Craig was saying earlier about like fuck like these are things that kids like latch onto and and like they they like 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 part of my brain is like Ninja Turtles shaped right. Because like that's how important Ninja Turtles were to me growing up. And same, like, same. I, I probably that brain just shape. yeah, like it's like Wes and I probably just <laughs> oh yeah, gosh, yeah, for okay, sure, guys. Craig. We're Don't fight. Hey, Tess, we're, how how Ninja Turtles shows and a half shell. Oh, okay, guys. I recently <laughs> saw the Megan Fox one, and I thought, okay, so oh, I get no. Ninja Turtles uh, now, right? I gotta watch the TMNT. I know, no one at me. <laughs> I think no. I will say like those like. Uh, having been a huge fan of the original like the old movies like those movies are fun as fuck like they're obviously like michael bay and all the problems that come with them but like they are as fun and as crazy and as inventive with like the ninja turtles being weird ninja like doing all this crazy like super ninja teen stuff as the original movies were with a bigger cgi budget what's the thing is the original movie was not like that the original movie was kind of like dark and more like the eastman laird comics which is like kind of cool and i'd wish they'd get back to that (laughs) yeah but i think not to get too off track but like my point is like because these things are like things that imprint themselves on you early on like it's like we just grow up around it and yet there's still these brands but like we have all these terms in them like talking about community and like hypersexualization and like racial integration and like they they hit all these things that are sort of like these deeply yeah. uh human themes that are be, sort of go beyond just like selling and buying and brands but like they're sort of talked through these this this the, the, we talk about them through these brands because they're so integral to our childhoods in a way that's kind of like again like Super i i don't cool. want to turn into like a fucking like like unibomber but like it's fucked. It's like super fucked how we like we've we've we we're fighting these culture wars or whatever through all these these fucking toys or whatever. I mean, and it's so it's so unfortunate that it's like the, like all these controversies too are like focused on like toys for girls too. Like no one gives a fuck that we're playing with like genocidal GI Joes or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like like the you the military industrial complex targeting boys. Yeah. is just yeah. absolutely like like gi joe's is just like what yeah <laughs> but like yeah. nobody talks about that but there's like pages well i mean sure there are but like like nobody there was never there was like i don't i don't see that controversy being talked about in the same way as like the brats were and on one hand i'm like well fine they're just like 
it's it's like we get into this thing of like there's so there's the, yeah there were no other like non-white dolls yeah. that were like not just an afterthought or like a repaint until brats and they they sort of changed the game in a way but also they were like kind of like thin and shallow and yeah. hypersexualized or at least like hyper feminized and and sort of like but again like there were people who also argued like well brats aren't actually any more sexualized or like feminized than barbie or like this beauty standard they're just like introducing a slightly different beauty standard and like yeah and what else was there for yeah. girls right like what else was there beyond barbie and brats is like okay yeah there's american girls and whatever else or like or you can be a girl who likes boy things mm -hmm. but like they're it, they just hit the market at the right time to both cause a controversy but also like uh satisfy a market that was coming into being yeah exactly yeah when we talk about them like you are there were especially talking about them now they're very caught between like the moral panic of this girl has low-rise jeans and too much makeup of like the early 2000s and the way i think they're definitely viewed now as like oh there's like a level they're of just contemporary yeah not that like brats are inherently empowering but there is a way to view them in in that oh they these are choices that these girls in their fiction are making and they have value beyond these like they can wear this makeup they can wear these clothes and they are still a niche like, people yeah, with value absolutely. as absolutely. fictional characters whereas well, you're and you're mm -hmm. torn between that interpretation and then like two decades worth of people saying, oh, these like dolls are so sexualized and they're like, uh, they're affecting how young girls are viewing themselves, which is definitely a whole like very valid concern. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm trying to think of, so what is it about them that made them like so sexualized? It was just certain lineups because like my images of dolls is like, I, of at least the brats that i have it's like they're wearing kind of like normal clothes a lot of them have pants on and well they, I, so they i don't did, know if i'm seeing it i have to see some examples i think they did have some that were like in tube tops or like kind of like very like 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 especially for the 90s that was like very like yeah. it wasn't young girls like bottom jeans stuff. and yeah maybe some midriffs because a sexualized like when we talk about them as sexualized it very much coincides with like clothes and right. race like it's yeah they're framed time. in a way that like like the way that they're talked about is it maligns people of color and like sometimes even like sex workers were maligned in the way these certain articles talked about them at the time like they'd use words like bling instead of jewelry or like say there was this one article that said oh yeah they look uh -huh. like they should be in a rap video like we know what you're saying <laughs> yeah it's like well, even like one of I the mean, articles yeah, they do a little bit because yeah. like I think what's really interesting and I didn't realize this, the controversy actually happened partly because Bratz started out selling Mattel in the UK, and Ooh. and number one, the UK is like the perfect. The UK has the like nastiest tabloid integrated press of like the English society, like, even worse oh, yeah. than the states in ways. But uh, yeah, you but don't have also to, a lot of it. white <laughs> resentment. In not only in especially in the in like like there's the English culture and the sort of well, idea white, of English white, yeah. Anglo <laughs> and that yeah. classic English Englishness. Puritanism too, right? Just, 
just to put this For in sure. context of what's going on right now, I don't know if you heard, but there, <laughs> there's debate to like get England kicked out of the next World Cup because their fan base is so toxic and racist. Yeah, because there's no other nice. toxic soccer fan bases. <laughs> England is oh, the only yeah. one, the they only are, racist fan base in Europe. They are, they're gonna spin if off. Followed like to the racist racism I don't know if cup. You, you saw what happened, but like because no. of yeah, yeah. But Sorry, yes, they. No. They are definitely exhibiting it more than other fandoms. For well, sure. and like England is also in the midst of like a panic about uh, about immigrants and like Brexit and all that shit. Like, right? The con- the, the contradictions are very apparent. Like, in- like in some ways, like people, I don't think a lot of people realize like the UK is more fucked than the states right now. In, in some ways, it's like, and fun. I don't say that like it's lightly. got like a a level of concentration on their fuckness that yes. the US could aspire to. <laughs> For sure. It's but shocking I, for such a small island to be so tumultuous. Yeah, big time. And I think like that also says to me something about why this moral panic happened the way it did. Like it clearly came stateside, but like it initi- it originated in England. And the other thing is the study that talked about the hypersexualization of teen of young girls and through these dolls was like commissioned by Mattel. That's the fuck that like that was like buried in one of these articles that I read. And I didn't realize that was like Mattel actually got the American Psychiatric Association to do this study. And that's the other thing is this study that sort of like really kicked off the moral panic along with the the sort of things um, was partly like because Mattel like commissioned it. And that's just like that adds another whole layer to the thing that makes me be like, like this is like, yeah, there's so much, yeah, there's totally. so many things going on. And like, that's what follow makes Brad's like a follow, follow the money, follow the, follow <laughs> the white rabbit. Yeah, yeah. That the fact that, okay. Cause I, I, I read through the APA report and wow. Okay. That was something I did not know that. Oh yeah. It was like partially funded because Bratz has mentioned more than Barbie in that report. <laughs> 100 percent, and like and the there are there is also like i included in the thing and we'll put it in the we'll put it in the the show notes too there's a critique of that report that really goes hard on the sort of like well why are these why what like why are these dolls considered sexualized like how does that and brings up the race and also the use of certain terms like girls versus women um that kind of stuff. And also like it talks about who they're marketed to. Like it's a whole thing. You can check it out. I'm not going to read it out mm-hmm. loud, but, but what's funny is neither of those mentioned that fact that Mattel actually like had the APA conduct this. I had to read that in one of the four or five articles that I was reading about this today. And it was, again, it was so buried. It was so just like casually thrown in there. And I don't even know if it's like, again, like I'd have to check the date on the article but it, it that probably wasn't even common knowledge at the time, right? Oh. And that's some that so, report is brought up so often when you're looking into brats and like the history of brats and how what their effect is on like culture or like childhood. That report comes up a lot. Wow. Yeah, that's super interesting. I feel like in a way, um, for Mattel having like backstopped that financially, it's kind of playing into brats his hand a little bit right because it's making them the more edgy the more provocative mm-hmm. which is exactly the, that's already the niche they carved out right that's the reason why they're able to exist is that space in between yeah. barbie and whatever any, 
you any surefire way to make your kids want something more is to try to take it away from them. <laughs> make it controversial yeah. when they're going through their rebellious yeah. phase or whatever, right? You're going to sell a fucking ton of those. Of course. What there's the fucking psychiatric report that backs it up. Perfect. You know, you're going to sell and twice. At as the many. same mm-hmm. time, it also reinforces Barbie's wholesome brand yeah. as the antithesis of brands. Well, exactly. Which, like, Absolutely. It just kind of like codifies or like ossifies the existing um players right yeah. superstructure as the, as you were superstructure yeah <laughs> <laughs> big doll yeah um yeah. yeah and that was just something that was sort of like tossed off but that really once you realize that you're like wow uh that that explains a lot about everything <laughs> about this um it's just it's the linchpin to the whole thing all of a sudden i'm just like going down a rabbit hole and like putting on a tinfoil hat and being like, it's all connected, man. It's all just like, it's all part of like Mattel's plan. Charlie to Kelly like, in the mail like, room. <laughs> yeah. Um, but well, even so like the guy who invented them, Carter, Bryant. Carter Bryant was a designer at Mattel who apparently, and that was the crux of the whole. So what happened was brats came out, they were on the shelves and they, they eventually like, pushed barbie became the number one selling doll over barbie in the uk and that's what started this sort of fight the guy who designed the brats who sold them to mga which is the company that makes brats he was working for mattel when he designed them Mm -mm. that could cause a problem which was the centerpiece of the lawsuit which was well he designed these while on company time while working for Mattel, so therefore, technically, Mattel owns them, and MGA but can't own them. I thought that he also pitched it to Mattel, and Mattel passed on it. So that doesn't that give him the right to then? I mean, obviously, but as part of the... is, they didn't, but they, they didn't know it was going to make money. Then Wes, come on! But they, yeah. but the lawyers don't need to know that. But that's not nice of them. <laughs> no, obvious. <laughs> that's a good point, Wes. Oh, good lawyer would have brought that like up. A little gray area because, like, okay, so Carter, like, he was a designer at Mattel, and he didn't, he wasn't feeling great about it. He didn't love it after working there for a few years, and he left for a year. Shock, big shock. <laughs> So he like left for a year and at this time, I think it's like 1998, he like moves back in with his mom and it's not like he claims, well, no, I was working on uh, the Bratz dolls while I was not working at Mattel for this one year slash I was also working Mm -hmm. during my nights and weekends. But there is the, the factor that when he made the prototype, he did use uh, cast-offs from Mattel's supplies. And they're even, during the court case, they even brought in a forensic expert to prove that the the paper he did his like initial sketches on were from a book that he had at Mattel. So he said, well, obviously he was at Mattel about at it. I think like in the court case, they um they brought like his mom and as as a witness and his partner at the time as a witness to say, hey, was he working on them actually? And of course they said yes. And uh, I, he he always claimed that he was inspired. Well, there's two main inspirations, but one of them was he saw a bunch of like four high school girls who are really cool and stylish at this high school in Missouri and uh, Kickapoo high school. Thank you. <laughs> Let's, Sorry. I, yeah. A, a <laughs> yeah, kicking poos. 
<laughs> that's that's my team for sure. I'm Hell for yeah. that team. So they brought the principal <laughs> in as a witness to say, like, well, would these fashionable girls be at your small town Springfield high school? And so like if you're asking someone, hey, do you have any cool people in your hick town? Like, of course the principal said, Well, yeah, <laughs> there might have been some really cool girls there. Uh, yes, our students the are the coolest in Kickapoo High. <laughs> Thank right? you very much. They, they are the actually, we, Yasmin <laughs> would be at home in the halls of Kickapoo High School. And right. I can guarantee that as a very cool principal. <laughs> right, kids? Right. Yeah. The, the, just all these kids get brought out, like dressed in like the brats' <laughs> costumes. Like even the boys, they're like, I'm uncomfortable. Shh, shh, the shoes shh, are the size of their heads. Yeah. Don't blow this Flash for me. me. <laughs> Flash with a blink. Oh my God. <laughs> All aboard the bus back to Kickapoo, Missouri. <laughs> What's the capital of, of Missouri? What's, oh, God. Um, we brought them all the way down here if for this court case. Look at Kansas, them. Look at how Kansas cute they City. are. Oh, my gosh. Can you so feed us? We haven't eaten in 12 hours. <laughs> Shh, shut up. Daddy's trying to win the court case. Missouri. <laughs> oh, my God. I love, when, I love when court proceedings take place as though like they're sticking to the format of like the due process of law <laughs> but it all seems so fucking naive and like oh, yeah. yeah of course this fucking person's gonna say what exactly what it's you such a theater it's such a beautiful like, like example of like how we all pretend courts are somehow oh. like these impartial like beautiful like like machines of like justice and efficiency and like and like yeah. uh uh order and and sort of like this like it's like and then when you look at them it's just like no this is a circus like this is yeah. This is literally yeah. what this, this is the opposite. Is. Yeah. Yeah. This is the opposite of divine machinery. <laughs> this is corrupt from top yeah. to bottom. And it's like a, a I can't fart, wait. Fun. but anyway. I can't wait till AI takes over the justice system. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, <laughs> Second Bananas does not endorse, endorse Wes's view of AI taking over the justice system. Yeah, please, no. uh, Wes's opinions are his own. They can't happen soon enough. <laughs> Once again, Wes's opinions are his known and do not represent Second Bananas or its parent company, Mattel. Oh my god. Well, you're right. I wish. This was definitely a fucking circus. Just like reading about the various stages of the particular Mattel versus MGA uh, lawsuit. Like, I want to see uh, an American crime story version of this because you have some really clear characters. Ryan Murphy, come on. Ru Get on. I mean, like, I don't, who cares what you're doing right now, Ryan Murphy? You have a, you have dolls <laughs> fighting each other. Yeah. Like, the characters are, you have MGA with the most charismatic, bombastic CEO, Isaac Larian. And An absolutely insane person, just off the, off the hook. <laughs> absolutely like one of those classic like self-made guys who like probably he like i don't know have you guys seen the new season of i think you should leave <laughs> no I, I need to dan, watch that soon dan flash hearing so shirts, much about it yeah that he Good. would be he probably buys dan shirts from dan flash is what i'm saying <laughs> People will get that. Nice. Yeah. Nice reference. Uh, we definitely endorse I Think You Should Leave season two. Yes, we we endorse both seasons of I Think You Should Leave and Tim <laughs> Robinson for president. Yeah. So you have him versus Mattel, which at least in 
there's this, the great book I read is You Don't Own Me by Orly Lobo. She like, Oh, you did read that book. Oh. Yes, cuz I was looking for that. I was trying to find a copy mm-hmm. and I couldn't find one and I'm hoping I'm hoping I can find one cuz it sounds fascinating. Yeah, so it's written, Everybody check that book out. It's written in a really easily digestible way for like any layperson who does not understand words like arbitration and injunction. It's it it yeah. gives you the whole history of both brands and how how they fought each other in this court case mattel is very like at least through this book and and also the way the characters of mattel seem to be played out as they're very standoffish like barbie is very much framed as like an ice queen and mj is this scrappy this scrappy company owned by a billionaire who's just trying to believe in this doll <laughs> yeah yeah you just you just like you can imagine them using like the pussycat dolls as the soundtrack to this oh this season of uh, American crime or whatever, like, like whatever, like at film TV adaptation of this gets made the, cause it was at the same time, it, like literally in some of the articles, they talk about how the pussycat dolls were also mm. another controversy at the time. It's like, it's such a, like, it's such a perfect encapsulation of like that early two thousands, like the tail yeah. end of those sort of like the last few, like really like, I want to say like truly like uh, moral majority, panics of like kids are being overly sexualized versus now we have like QAnon or like cancel culture like like this was the last sort of pure just like won't somebody please think of the children panic right watch those pearls (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah it's hard to it does seem like uh like women just were not allowed to like yeah they they just weren't weren't allowed to have the same like exposure as like Tess, boys how old were at you in 2003 oh 2005 uh, sorry you don't have to give an exact age like how like like were you still in 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 school kind of thing like were you like yeah, so I'm a bit younger than you guys. So 2011. Yeah, no, that's eleven. We old. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we old. Uh no, but that's like I think like I think I've seen I've heard this talked about as like the 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 late 90s, early 2000s were not a hospitable period to women being themselves. <laughs> uh so you, like it's it was a it was a crazy time for you to grow up. Like I just like I can't imagine like it was just all this stuff all the time. Right. It was nothing but these kind of like things about women and like their place in culture. Like this was post spice girls. So there was this girl power energy in the air, but it was also tempered by like the hangover of Reagan eighties America. Like the two thousands were just like, we were so culturally messed up over like women, just like who women should be. And like, and the sort of like there was a breakdown of the mm-hmm. traditional idea of women, but like yeah. also the things that were sort of coming up to replace it and held up as like examples oh, totally. were like also like kind of nightmarish yeah. and dystopian and straight jacketing. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I think, this I think is like, like so that's why typified. This... I was like with the whole like Britney Spears thing right yes. now, like you kind of see this coming to a head. It's just like wow yeah we really just shit on you for (laughs) trying to make the most of your career and doing like everything that like a male pop star would do but better and yeah yeah you're empowered (laughs) without power right like that's that's kind of the the old refrain of uh yeah girl power it's great right but you don't get anything for it right it's like right where society wants you well it's like you said earlier like 
powerful in appearance but not right yes and reality and like you were talking about tess you said like oh this like the 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 quote-unquote empowerment of the brats dolls is like this very specific limited individual empowerment and and again like like fashion and sort of like crafts and like friendship and like shopping like there's nothing quote unquote wrong with any of those things. And like, I think there, but there was sort of this backlash of like, Oh, this is so shallow. This is materialistic, which like Hmm. is not entirely false, but it's also like, who cares? Like if women want to do that stuff, they should be able to do that stuff. The problem is more like how we frame this conversation around women be shopping or women be (laughs) like wearing tube tops and it's like maybe the problem is all we do is talk about whether or not they be shopping instead of just letting them shop when they feel like it, right? Yeah. But it's like there was that Throwing 90s shopping. period of like women girl power was like wearing wearing a tight dress and 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 kicking a man in the testicles with platform heels, but girl power oh, yeah. was not like like quietly discovering something scientific, right? Like we hadn't quite found those new archetypes yet or sort of like and yeah. feminist was like still like this absolute like four letter word too. So it's like, that's where the brats kind of exist is in this maelstrom of like redefining what a, what a woman, what girl power is or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially because all those yeah. considerations are always based on like, like girl power, womanhood, whiteness in all of those. And then brats, it's like, actually like girls can see themselves in these dolls too, though. <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah totally which which actually represent the contemporary like makeup of the cities that most people tend to live <laughs> right. in in north america or in or in the west i guess or whatever yeah. right because it's not as common for a larger city from the 90s even 80s onwards right to be entirely white at that stage yeah, which is why it's like, right? it like kind of blows my mind to think that like whatever these executives sitting around having these discussions were that like you think that they're arguing about oh we can't sell these like ethnically diverse dolls wouldn't you want to just try and sell to like all these different demographics like yeah it's important to why would you just want to try to sell a white doll and think that other people like look different wouldn't want to buy a doll that looks like that yeah when we think about like oh like brats like they're so diverse like no that's not this at least utopian altruistic situation where uh, we are making sure to show all races. Uh, no, it was a very much a financial decision, but it did yeah. benefit many of like these children who got to see themselves in dolls right. that were right. beyond Mattel's, right? <laughs> yeah, we can't. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good that was done out of the wrong reasons, <laughs> probably. So many things, so many things that we got, like yeah came for this, like, the wrong reasons probably i said, or, or I said superstructure earlier altruistic and I reasons a, i said superstructure earlier and i was being a jack off but like like the, they like again like you said like this comes from ultimately like a financial decision and a material mm-hmm. the material yeah. uh conditions which were like okay so like we're finally getting to the point where like there is sort of like a a non-white middle class in the 90s and early 2000s that's at least semi-prosperous or at least aspires to look semi-prosperous you have more further immigration from various asian and and pacific countries that like brings this larger audience of, of people who aren't like like seen as traditionally white but also sort of like assimilate easier into white 
culture and whiteness. And I don't I, like that's I probably shouldn't say that. I'll probably get in trouble for that. And and that's fine if people want to. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a dumbass. Okay. So please just say like uh, you have the superstructure of whiteness yeah. is encouraged. On yeah, the there's all of a sudden so. this sort of like like um aspirational non-white ideal that exists in culture and and is real and is based on people's need desire to see themselves reflected in our media, which is also this this like money beast. Mm-hmm. And we see all of a sudden like girls who aren't white suddenly have a doll they can play with that feels like them and isn't just like a white girl with a with a tan right like like that's what those black barbie dolls are Mm -hmm. it's not like they changed the proportions or like even the hair and and made it more it was just like and that was probably good enough but now all of a sudden you have this girl with like oh her lips look more like mine maybe or like oh like she dresses like like the the my older sister does right like and maybe that's inappropriate to white middle-class values but like that's normal for me like i see my sister and her friends doing all this stuff and like not that that's whatever like again like i just think it's like that's why we get i i was like wow this is like a super fascinating subject to talk about because it's so it was put into these terms of like well are you for brats or against brats but it's like i i I don't know man i just feel like they kind of are like a a nutshell of like this like change that happens in the nineties and early two thousands that we're still, we're still fighting over in, or like the the culture war is still being fought over on. And they sort of like exploded it. And, and it's like all these different aspects of like gender and race and, uh, and, and, and they're, they're, they're sort of these things that like, we still like are having these massive cultural reverberations today or whatever. So yeah, that's my that's that's where I'm gonna end that because I don't know what I'm saying anymore. But <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I don't know if the kids that are buying these dolls are all like, yeah, thinking about this. It's interesting because I would be interested to know if it has the same appeal now as when they came out because I wonder if girls that are playing with dolls still like have that sense of like, hey, yeah, having fun and going to the mall. And like shopping is like fun. And I think that is still a fun experience for like a lot of girls, but it's not like, it's not pushed on them as being like the thing that girls do to have fun as much anymore as it was. Not, so since, I like, not since the great pandemic of 20, 2020. Yeah. You can't go to malls that, anymore, Wes. Come on. You know, well, that. I did just go to a mall the other weekend, oh, but, <laughs> but yeah, you were think- there Bratz dolls. Did you get? Did you there get some? Were did you some. score some Brad stalls? No. What are you no, doing? Did. did you even prepare for this? God, I, not Wes. as much as I should have. Hess is replacing you on the research. podcast. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we're replacing <laughs> the only black member of this podcast with a white woman. That's right. This is fair. So, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is very Barbie. That's what Barbie would have wanted. <laughs> so. I have a kind of a take on it, I guess. Um, I feel like all of this is, you know, who sees themselves reflected in culture and in like, can you buy a toy, a collectible, like narrative based female toy that reflects you or like it, that better reflects your reality, the, the things that you are familiar with. Mm-hmm. And that provides you with an aspirational, like jumping off point or all of the different things that, I think white Western consumers and males in particular take for granted because culture is constantly reflecting it's 
uh, themselves back to them. Can, and so we can not only get a toy that reflects us, we can get a toy that reflects us that is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle that doesn't look anything <laughs> like us. Oh, and we still yeah. are like, I know. oh, this guy is me. Like, yeah. like the Teenage Mutant Ninja pizza. Turtles are like white boys. Like, that's what they are, ultimately. Uh, yeah. may, I don't know, maybe Makes not, pizza, yeah. calls his friends dude. Like, exactly, yeah. right? It's like, we can see ourselves reflected in, in science fiction and fantasy and all these things. And women are like, well, I got Barbie and I got brats at this, you know. I mean, there's more now, but, you know, yeah. Sorry, continue, and so, and so the whole conversation is about, um, uh, you know, representation, right? Um, and that goes into the realm of like the CEO <laughs> or the, you know, just seeing, seeing non-white people in positions of power in different institutions across society generally, but it also is in the culture, whether you see yourself reflected in the tv shows that you watch or the cartoons that you watch or um whatever it is the music that you listen to mm -hmm. and i think that is important it's also completely beside the point to a large extent if the real questions of you know the actual progress of society in terms of real results and um affecting change at like a community level in all in non-white communities becomes kind of the forefront of things then all of this is kind of a distraction right um whether or not your toy is a certain color or are you telling me toys are a distraction from real concerns is that what you're saying a certain general uh, a certain gender <laughs> well not not even just just like the whole kerfuffle the whole like um scandal yeah. around there being like an edgier sexier provocative toy line and the toy manufacturer like plays that controversy off of the public um, as you as you would in order to sell more toys and to kind of usurp the the the, the leading property in the toy market or whatever um, to the extent that they did at the time in the UK or whatever. But to even threaten to do that, to be honest with you, is probably took Mattel completely um, aback at the time. Right? They're like, what? You know, this isn't, they thought that the only thing that could take them off their throne was like, whatever, a boy's toy line or whatever, yeah. which like would outsell them. But, but it's all part of the neoliberal project to be like, yeah, debate about this shit, get all fucking worked up about what color, what gender, what level of sexualization, what behavior, what blah, blah, blah is, um, is displayed by this by this piece of intellectual property. Meanwhile, the same people own all of this shit. The same people run all of this shit. Yeah. And it's too white. It's your... all white men that own these companies that are like, that exactly. are making the money and... off. Like, like it's not like the CEO and creator of, of brats were like, you know, black women that came from, you know, lower or working class it... backgrounds or anything. Exactly. Like and so and so while there is an empowerment piece to that representation and to being able to be like yeah you know what i can dress the way that i want because i'm a human and i'm worth i have value for the person that i am and it's not defined by someone else's perspective on how i dress or how i or even to a certain degree how i behave um but let alone who i am but it's all kind of distracting away from the fact that we should actually be discussing why that isn't a company that's owned by a non-white non-male 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because there is a complete lack of that. And that's just kind of the structural like water that we're swimming. That's the whatever superstructure of our society <laughs> that all of this, um, all this distraction is just kind of taking our attention away from scrutinizing and actually getting worked up over, yeah. which could arguably, I don't know if it would be more worthwhile, but uh. there's actually something to get worked up about there. Yeah. Um, and that could change the material conditions of, of people and, and to kind of balance things out in society and stop it being so lopsided. Um, mm. But that's, yeah, you're right. At the end of the day, it is toys. But the story that we're like living through, um, through these toys, <laughs> and like I think the analogy that you're trying to draw or that you've drawn, Joe, in kind of drawing a parallel between that and like the moral outrages <laughs> and things like um like QAnon and like conspiracy culture and you know I, I draw associations with mm -hmm. like a lot of kind of subcultures within society that are very much like against anti-establishment right. or like I'm a free thinker like so what you don't you don't agree with freedom yeah and it's like well no I mean well I don't agree is with a great idea. I think freedom is bad we'll, we'll get into this but more freedom, <laughs> Freedom to kill ourselves and our planet at the same time is like a dumb yeah, freedom yeah. to keep. It's my right. Like close, <laughs> close to my heart. Um, my God-given right to know. fuck up this earth. <laughs> but I guess I appreciate that analogy. I appreciate I appreciate the parallel there because it is similarly like a big kind of fucking sideshow diversion, right? Yeah, I do think that that makes me think that this was so much like these controversies were almost like. Because when you think about it, yes, like how much of an impact is is playing with a toy gonna have on on your child? These were probably like controversies were partially drummed up as like maybe political talking points for like <laughs> in election season or something. Well, the the adults, the adults are getting are the ones getting worked up about it on behalf of their kids, right? It's not like yeah. the kids not having I guess fun. That's, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, because of like a lower back tattoo on the doll or something, or like you know the kid the kids enjoying it regardless. It's a toy. You're using your imagination anyways. Yeah, and I don't think, like, can we think back to the toys we played with when we were younger and how impactful they were on our lives? <laughs> Maybe Legos. <laughs> it was a venue. It was a platform from which to, like, yeah. explore my imagination with my friends. Couldn't, yeah, I was looking at these. I was trying to look at, I was looking at images of the Brandt's dolls. And, they're like, I don't think they're overly, there's a few crop top heart-shaped ones but i mean like it's a little more racy than what barbie might wear yeah but it's still like it's like crop tops and some tube tops oh yeah and some, and some, some short shorts some short shorts yeah and but when you if you look at it like a quantifiable level like barbie's proportions are barbie's proportions are more cartoonishly exaggerated to be sexy i mean like i think the creator she was like yeah i gave barbie an incredible pair of breasts mm -hmm. now uh <laughs> brats their ratios are so much smaller like if you put it down to like a quantifiable numbers thing like there is actually a less of an exaggerated really? uh like quote-unquote sexiness to their bodies mm -hmm. so the clothing on them is still like that's what we are drawing attention to is like their clothing and then i think by association like who wears that clothing who do we associate with that clothing it's often like 
work like the fashion and aesthetics are so rooted in the cultures of like working class latina uh, and black women right so yeah still come back to like oh you're still talking about you're still like winking at this like it's they're not dressing in the right way situation. right right and that offends your sensibilities if that's not what you view yeah. as like wholesome or part of your community or part of your tradition i yeah i don't i don't feel they would cases. sell as good if like yeah they're characters when is whatever fashionably edgy <laughs> i do i do think yeah, that's well, the if, main selling point because like when you don't see them as like sexy when you're like oh i'm eight these are just really cool dolls they've got the coolest clothes mm -hmm. they look rad um, yeah bright colors and like, mm -hmm. like not not like kind of blur <laughs> you know they've yeah. got like really like sharp dynamic like ensembles and stuff and they're like they dress like a sophisticated trendy teen, teen yeah who, who care yeah exactly who cares about what they're dressing like and yeah. like put something into that image even if it is you know from some measure like playing into a stereotype i mean that's what a lot of people base their wardrobes around <laughs> anyway so and it just so happens that people get offended when that turns to too much of a like sexualized thing when younger people are involved which which yeah. makes sense yeah but that's like a marketing thing that's like you know there's toys toys for people of all ages that have varying degrees of sexiness or whatever it's when you market them to somebody who's under 18 that the person who's going to be pay paying for that toy is going to be like what the heck am i buying yeah um right. or they're going to be like yeah you know what this is cool it's harmless it's a toy right i don't care and then that's like america's dividing line <laughs> yeah yeah there's definitely an onus on like the people who like mark who create toys for children on like what is their responsibility and and because kids are, they're going to define their world based on the things they consume or the world they consume. Mm -hmm. And that's going to define a lot of the ways they think. And it's, I think there's a big problem is like, how does the, how do toys reflect on how the child feels about themselves? Definitely. There's, there's a lot to talk about in terms of, um, like self-confidence and body image with varying types of toys for old children. And uh, th that doesn't seem to be as much as a controversy with brat dolls as, oh, they look actually just sexier. It's not a body image thing. It's, well, those dolls are, uh, they have the look of sexiness and that makes me uncomfortable as an mm -hmm. adult. Right. Yeah, I think that was it. I'm sure this is still like an ongoing thing like that every high school has to deal with but it's like yeah like i went to a catholic high school and and the teachers were always having to like tell the girls like pull down that skirt or like button up that shirt or like whatever so i mean i think it's always going to be an ongoing battle on <laughs> trying to get your teenage daughters to yeah. dress less sexy or whatever it's a i think it's a timeless struggle yeah. for sure <laughs> I think yeah, I think school cool. for my teen daughters. Um, yeah, they 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 don't think about that at all. They just they just 
uh, read their Bibles and um, and uh, <laughs> think about how they can they can make their father gold proud. leaf Bibles. <laughs> Definitely something my real actual teenage daughters do that exist. <laughs> so I guess I have a question then, Tess. What would you say would be like if you had the reins at MGA of the Bratz line? What would like from the from the perspective of like the responsibility of the toy maker, the toy designer? What would you suggest? What kind of tweaks would bring it in line with like a more ideal or more I don't know, yeah. um, a less objectionable mm-hmm. toy? Um, I'm not <laughs> saying that you necessarily object to them. Yes, tell us how to fix brats. Yeah, and you know what? Maybe they don't need to be fixed. Yeah. Maybe that's part of the reason why they're so successful is because they're like we've kind of described throughout the episode so far. Part of their appeal is that they're so objectionable to right. a certain portion, and that makes them appealing to the other portion, which is again that dividing line thing. But is there like some low hanging fruit that you think they could just like become less problematic by adjusting? Yeah, like I don't think there's any, I don't think brats are inherently problematic. And I don't think that, like, as a toy, I don't find them objectionable. I think they are super useful and helpful to a lot of people who either have nostalgic relationships with brats as a brand or have, um, or they're like newer fans and are heavily interested in their aesthetics. Um, I think there are things that brats could improve in terms of um, now. Okay. This is someone who knows brats as a two decade old uh, brand. And so I'm not a hundred percent up to like what brats is currently doing and what they have recently done. Well, how could you uh, be? They keep, they like, keep changing. They keep rebooting over <laughs> and over again. We never, we never really get to, to know the new brats. So sorry, continue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But doing things like, oh, ha- like different body types. They do have some variety of body, but not a lot in a way that uh, would be inclusive for all body types. Like, can we please one day have fat dolls? That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's, I know like with the boys, there's like very few black boy dolls you could choose from. Like there's, there's more things you could do in terms of diversifying the brand, even though that's such an integral part of them, like doing different hair textures, doing different body types. Um, Barbie recently has tried to do this. Um, Like they've released like their gender nondescript, non, their gender nonspecific dolls that like you can uh, stylize in different ways. and I know they've released some like, like less Barbie, less traditional Barbie body Barbies recently. Like they've changed her, her dimensions a bit, but like, there's still, these are multi-billion dollar companies that are trying to make dolls that will sell well, yeah. inheriting a lineage of dolls that well, look a certain way. So it's not like it's going to fix. Yeah. And like you said, like they're, they, they need to keep their bottom line. They also are affected by what's possible what they think will will make them more money right it's like the reason they there are actually a thousand ways you could experiment with having like more realistic hair textures for for black dolls or like you know like whatever else or more realistic hip shapes and stuff but 
A, that requires extra production assembly line stuff. And that cuts into the bottom line. And it's like, we don't, we, we, we've talked about this on the show before, but it's also like how much of this is affected by what's doable in budgets and what sort of like mm-hmm. makes them the most profit. Right. And like, what's mass and it, it, it's too. a thing we yeah. keep going on, but like, if profit wasn't a problem, you'd be surprised at how much innovation there would be just because like, or even if you just let, instead of like making the, making sort of like, like a guy like Carter Bryant, let's say, or like another, you know, a doll creator, like even like this Mark Hantos or like anyone who loves these dolls and wants to improve them, but like is constrained by what the company will sell and thinks will make money. Right. Like if they set a couple of, of, I'm sure there are wonderful creators and doll designers and toy designers out there who are, who are black, who are Latinx, who are Asian, who are all sorts of queer, non-binary, uh, trans, uh, et cetera, who would love a crack at these dolls or any of the, any dolls, right. And could do great things and like probably could find innovative ways of doing that in a way that would be satisfying. But because we're stuck in this paradigm of like Craig said, of like debating over whether or not these dolls represent us instead of saying like, well, why, why didn't they make new hair for the black doll? Why did Barbie just get a tan? Well, obviously because it's like, that's, that's the cheapest way they can do it. And they'll do that that way. As long as it, it's, it's a cheap, cheap, safe way to make more money and to make another doll that they can sell for minimum effort. So like, yeah, yeah. We can't, we, we imagine what we could do with a doll that is not, that does not require profitability. Like imagine what you could do with that, but we don't have, we haven't organized society in a way that even lets us do that ever. Right. Other than like small prototypes that someone makes in their basement and turns into like an all, cons- all, excuse me, all consuming passion project Two white claws was a mistake. Mm-hmm. never again on the pod double claw yeah i just so yeah that's my point is just like we we have to understand how the forces of production shape even like the toys themselves and i think that's like as tess as much as like you would love a crack at these things like nobody's gonna no offense like you're great i I, I love you you're what i don't want to crack you don't want to crack at them and that's the other thing is like it's if you if someone was just like hey we'll fly you into the brat's factory or whatever like tell us what to do you'd probably be like sure but like you're not interested in like spending the next five years of your life making a profitable prototype because like of course you're not like that's 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 absolutely you'd have to be like a a very specific person with a very specific mindset to do that and those criticisms are just i like they're so they're so broadly can they can so broadly be applied to like all children's toys all children's media even so like mm-hmm. it's so it's oh just want to see more and seeing things that are um i mean not that like oh this kids kids shows equals progress or or a kid's toy equals progress but to see that oh there can be people in the boardroom uh there can be people in the designing chair who can put these forward and can make things that make kids feel happier or feel more comfortable in themselves or you know give them something to aspire to but in like very healthy ways um that like that that's kind of like an altruistic utopian ideal for like children's toys 
that and i think my my criticisms are just general children's toy criticisms uh we'll have to see what bratz does for their 20th anniversary yeah bratz <laughs> really got some big lined up yeah what was it? well it's been oh, sorry i want to know more about that hint that they dropped on their website i love like a a coy vague tease <laughs> that's it for what uh, it's been almost a year it just says coming soon yeah <laughs> oh my god just dangling anticipating it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I completely agree that, and I guess I want to qualify from my like whatever rant from earlier that it's very easy to, and I, I hope I didn't sound as though I was dismissing the debate about representation because that is by no means um, something that I would dismiss, but um, it's very easy to observe that a lot of that can get heightened to the level of a distraction when you're sitting in a position where you've only ever been represented like bountifully but also we talk in like, the culture that surrounds I, you I, yeah i i think you're right and i think like we did also talk about how like even that the the problem with that isn't necessarily that there shouldn't be a conversation about representation and about so that's the beginning and that's the beginning that's like, and it's like the bar is very low the bar is and it now. never goes that far because <laughs> the people who are in charge of that conversation don't make any money off that right like they and exactly. i think that's the other thing is like we have been talking about how brats the like did this accidental great fucking representation thing but like when i looked up their ceo because tess literally called him a garbage man in our email which is <laughs> correct so the on <laughs> there are two articles that are less that are uh 21 days apart on um on july or june 1st 2020 uh the dolls released a statement on george floyd's death so you see that and you're like oh great that's like that representation obviously they did like they they like but every company was releasing a statement at that time but then literally there is a buzzfeed article on june 22nd 2020 the billionaire CEO behind Bratz and LOL surprise doll called a black influencer, quote unquote, a disgrace to black people. Like it's, we have this company that's like celebrated for making these diverse dolls. And the CEO is saying fucking racist bullshit in the same month that they're like releasing a statement on George Floyd. And it is like, <laughs> No wonder, like, no wonder non-white people are pissed and, like, we don't want to dismiss their concerns about representation, but there are so many other concerns that they have that we use this conversation to be like, well, we gave you, we gave you a TV show, we gave you a doll, what more do you want? Like, that becomes the conversation instead of, like, also, like, why are cops still killing non-white people? Why are, why, why do non-white people not have, rep not only representation, but, like, the same wealth why do they not why do they not have the same say why are they still dying in hospitals at a higher rate than white people like this representation conversation becomes this thing that focuses well in in the background like both personal and systemic racism continue and the brat stalls didn't change that or at least didn't didn't change it enough on their own right so it's like 
of course we can't just say this this like i, I think craig I, I i don't i, I just want to say like there are there are real concerns to this conversation just being the only conversation and there are so many other conversations we have to have about the fucking guy who made the dolls like that's the fucked up thing yeah you know totally and people especially rich people um get like shielded from just their fucking excessive shittiness by these like veneers of barely even progressiveness or wokeness or whatever and then i mean you know but but our but our culture our society continues to reward these people and and they allow they're allowed to shield themselves from all of this like the, it's just such a a mixed up priority <laughs> it's wild it's completely wild this is like the last person it sounds like the last person who should be profiting off of something that little girls are being able to like what we've been talking about see themselves represented in and have something that's like finally the anti-barbie or whatever and but it's all going into this fucking ghoul's coffers right so this is like the story of our time this is like you know i don't know that like you can contribute to a fucking foundation that you're like oh yeah they really do a lot of great work but how much better how much more good work could they do if they didn't pay their ceo or their whatever the head of the foundation like six or seven figures a year what about these girls that inspired this guy to create these dolls what did they ever get and not that i'm saying like (laughs) they should get they should get to run this company but like like it's it's again that conversation like of like the way but why not maybe not them exactly but no but like yeah why aren't like teen poor teen girls who inspire this shit and like we have now a culture of like authenticity and authenticity is often a code word for uh non-white culture and the and and the 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 way and uh, like the way a non-white culture appeals to whiteness right and and in a in a fetishized, in a fetishized way. way and again like yeah. it's just like what there's still poor girls that can't afford clothes you know that are non-white and white and like whatever but like they they don't see any material benefit from these dolls they like yes in some way there's a psychic benefit to them seeing these dolls and maybe getting one of these dolls as a present but at the end of the day like there's still girls that can't afford these dolls and like i don't want to live in that world you know i i want i want but the dolls aren't gonna i don't know what am i saying i'm saying I think we should bring it up with reparations Isaac. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isaac, get your shit together. Pay, pay, pay black women, pay non-white women. I don't know. Just give your money away. Do something like that. <laughs> oh, Isaac Larian is just, he's every, he's so a lot. He's a, <laughs> like he's a type of guy for like sure. He's a, he's he, there's a type of guy a type of CEO that Isaac Larian is. And I don't, I haven't put my finger on it yet, but if there's a type, right? So, sorry, continue, Tess. There's some, some things I want to tell you guys about him that you might not have found in too many articles. Like one thing about Ish. him that if you've seen his Twitter posts, um, like uh, especially about the um, Amina uh, Mucciolo situation where like one of uh, the LOL surprise dolls uh, looked a lot like her and he kind of went, he did a racist yeah, rant. That was the context said. of him saying that is that this, this influencer who 
you could if you look at the doll the the lol surprise dolls are like this other line by the same company that are clearly are sort of like almost the spiritual successors to brats in many ways which we yes. will get into is like you can clearly see the influence like it, it's an it's just different enough that you can say okay like that they could beg like oh well we didn't know it's just coincidences but it's also just similar enough that you're like, mm, I don't know. I think this, um, yeah, I will, we'll make sure her stuff is included in the thing. So you can at least check her out, uh, because she's very cool and she's got, she's got a wonderful mm -hmm. Instagram. Uh, yeah, she has a GoFundMe as well that, uh, uh, people can yes, donate we will put to, that in the thing to because, do. Yeah. So, Isaac, he in his Twitter um, name, he had Bray. Uh, uh, what's what's that thing? Um, uh, favors the bold. Oh, what's um, fortune, fortune favors the bold? Yeah. Fature, fortune favors the bold is Isaac Larian's favorite saying. <laughs> he has it all over his offices. Um, he also is the type of guy who frames dollar bills, $5 bills, and $100 bills that he wins in bets with people and has them write a note saying, sorry, I was wrong. <laughs> sounds like, sounds new, like a new, real this is a, guy This is around. a type of guy. I don't know what type of guy this is yet, but we're, we're getting to it. So yeah, he, like, well, the okay. funny thing is his Twitter oh, account ahead. is like, it's not his, he is at Isaac Larian. He, and his his display name is Isaac Larian in brackets. Fortune favors the bold. <laughs> like <laughs> Isaac Larian. So like, okay, Fortune that's your whole identity. Yeah. It's like that's a lot to like base. Yeah, your whole life around. But I mean, I mean, I guess like he's doing okay money wise. But <laughs> I guess I can see the brats. Um, like bold would be like a concept wheel word in like a brainstorming session about brats, right? Of like, Absolutely. what are our, what are our key tenets of the brats brand or whatever? Yeah. Bold is definitely one, right? It's gotta be obviously. He was, he was so like, absolutely excited about brats like apparently within 30 minutes of the pitch carter bryan had with him uh like he signed on he's like yes we're absolutely doing this now okay mga which used to be called micro games of america uh, and they changed to mga to show like oh we actually sell toys we don't just sell like games micro they, like started of america am i right <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Now, 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 there are people with micro penises who are not like Isaac Larian. I'm sure. Uh, anyway, <laughs> and uh, so he and his brother like actually started this company together. Now, Isaac did not tell his brother Farhad. They he did not tell him about brats. Instead, he went to his brother and said. Yeah, so like we just haven't been doing very well. We've had a couple of successes, but it's the late 90s and you know, the company just hasn't been making enough money and brother, you have 45% shares of this company. Would I I'll bail you out. 9 million dollars for 45% of the company. I'll take it. His brother thought it was a gracious offer. He took the money gave Isaac his 45% of the shares of the company. And 
uh, a few months later, Bratz came out and the Bratz line, I think, made something like $6 billion, losing his brother all of that fucking money. I know his brother sued him. I do not know if it was settled out of court or uh, what ended up happening with the situation, but he fucked over his brother after they had been in business since like 1979 together. They do not talk anymore. And I think if you look up his brother, I think he's a developer in LA now. Like you see Fred Larian show up and that was like his nickname. Uh, That's the real second banana. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Fred, yeah, we're gonna have to do doing? an episode on Fred Larian. Fred Larian, come on the pod. Is come incredible. on, we'll tell your side of the story for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, to us. Definitely, we'll give yeah. you a platform, buddy. <laughs> that is intense. That's, yeah, what a, what a dick. And he's all about like, Fortune no, I'm not in this the for the money. Yeah, it obviously does. <laughs> you don't There's... have to be in the money when you in it for the money when you ripped it all off of your brother well, like that, already. that combined with the like the getting people to write that they were wrong on dollar bills or whatever is just like wow. this guy is like a, it's not about it's not really fun character quirk yeah it's just a fun, <laughs> such a cute little little neuroses yeah. right like yeah. no it's like not about the money in that sense like the money is a way for him to win and to have like this power over yeah. people, right which like Again, I think if you start to look at people like Isaac Larian, uh, you start to realize just how many of them it the money is just a way. It's just a it's it's not about like obviously they would never go to being poor because that would deny them the power they have. Like that's what that's what money as power and as capital is, is it's like it it becomes once you get to a certain point, especially when you have a certain amount of it, it's like this isn't about the actual money anymore. This is about what it does for me and the sort of like the power it gives me and the status it gives me and the, the control over others lives that it gives me becomes the thing. Uh, yeah. No, for sure. And it's yeah. like interwoven with this dude's identity with like his yeah. whole ego, his whole thing. That's a big strain of American culture right there. That's the American dream. Yeah, he's living it. I go- I sure. googled Fred Larian, and there was an article about this, and it says, uh, "Just a little quote from this article: Isaac is just a bulldog," says Garrick Johnson, a BMO Capital Markets analyst who has observed it Larian over many years. He operates with a chip on his shoulder; it drives him. Like <laughs> Jesus Christ, thank you yeah. for the understatement of the century. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, it kind of makes sense because after, so after they have this huge back and forth with Mattel over who technically owns the Bratz branding and identity, um, Mattel was, wasn't doing like super great. This was probably about, I think like 2017, 2018. And so Isaac sends them a letter, sends the CEO at the time hey so i'm like doing great i'm a grandpa are you a grandpa yet oh i love it i feel so enriched by this so can i buy mattel i would be the sole ceo you would give all power and branding to me and mattel basically said we have no interest in talking about this with you and didn't even like address the grandpa question which was like, at the heart of okay. this <laughs> i that was like uh, he's jewish right okay he's he's interestingly he's an iranian jew uh 
classic classic jewish uh power move to like brag about your descendants i'm sorry like i'll just say like if that's that's cross across all jewish cultures it's like hey so i'm a grandpa i've got grandkids like do you have grandkids oh my god yes i i recognize the power in that power move oh they're absolutely God. blossoming they're all big shots. See them sometime. they're all big shots <laughs> oh my gosh i know he did try to also because like toys r us um when they filed for bankruptcy uh he also tried to buy them <laughs> and but he he set up a gofundme for one billion dollars <laughs> buy toys r us this guy is kind of swag yeah. like honestly like he's a piece of shit but it's like I, I like that he applies like the pickup artist mentality to buying companies. He's like, Hey, he like negs them into selling basically. Like that's kind of what he's doing here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, GoFundMe made like $35,000. Like oh. I think it was something like 1100 people actually donated to it. Wow. Oh and so God. what the idea was that they would donate and reach the billion dollar to like bail and out. Then- cap and then he would take over the company and keep it open and then they could go back to toys r us i assume basically it i think he was also trying to turn it into like a dis i mean nothing happened of course but he had this vision of turning it into like a disneyland Mm. place because he thought about when when i would take my kids there we would just go like you would just go to toys r us even without um even without like buying anything, you just go to Toys R Us. Toys R Us was fucking like fun, yeah. for me and my brother when we were kids. Like, yeah, we would because we're from a small town, so we would drive to the city to visit my relatives. And the first thing we would ask because we were little shits was like, "When are we going to Toys R Us? When are we going to Toys R Us? When are we going to Toys R Us?" And we, yeah, we would literally just walk around yeah. in awe of the toys. It was like, it was mech. It was just, I don't, I shouldn't say that. It was, it was the the place to be for me and my brother for sure. So I bought all my X-Men toys. Hell yeah. Same with me. That's so cute. (laughs) Now, like that's not to say that like Isaac Larian is like the only, he's like, he's the only like perpetrator of badness. Although he's definitely like, he's, he's, said racist shit and, <laughs> and is he's very much ingrained with mga like when you think of mattel you don't think of oh who is the ceo of mattel but mga and isaac larian are the same no. thing and isaac larian is also kind of the same thing with brats because he had his fingers in it from his the daughter beginning. is literally the yasmine doll come his daughter's right. name is jasmine uh which, literally which like they renamed her. because it was it was originally supposed to be like lupe or something and then they renamed it for his daughter yeah that's the other thing is like clearly like like the guy who created these dolls it was like wow dude <laughs> yeah, okay yeah. so so the asian is named jade and uh and yeah. the 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 latinx the girl latinx is named lupe is okay lupe. and yeah. again like i don't know obviously i think he was I, I don't think he was being malicious but like yeah it's again just speaks to that weird like tension just inherent in like what's going on with the brats mm-hmm, the creation of them absolutely and like the creation of them it went through like a big development process of like carter bringing the initial sketches which like if you go to um 
like the Bratz fan wiki for Carter Bryant, it has a picture of yeah, they accidentally put her, but it's it's not accidentally. Like, I wonder if that's another one of Isaac's little like power moves that he pulls. It's just like, oh, how'd that get in there? Go to the Bratz wiki, oops, put put my picture on Carter's page. Yeah, yeah, do that. that It makes sense though. Like, Carter Bryant, like, he didn't actually, like, he was fine with Isaac Larian kind of taking the face of the Bratz brand because Carter didn't really want to be the face of it. Um, and the the trial that happened with Mattel was definitely a major factor in how he kind of feels about Bratz now. He, like, he put a lot of care and effort into these dolls. Even when he was making them, they there was a type of hair that he wanted them to have that was really expensive. And MJ was like, no, we can't afford this hair. It's so expensive. It's going to make the dolls super pricey. Carter like put his own money to say, we need to make sure the dolls have this type of hair and like source a manufacturer for this hair and use his own cash to pay for it. Wow. Interesting. Um, no. He has an Instagram like, he, that people can follow, by the way. Uh, yeah, very, yeah. very kind of adorable. It's these are always the the ones that interest me. Is like, yeah, he's like sort of designs dolls for a living. Like the sort of like again, like he went for this hair and he had this specific thing. It's like, like who spends five years making a prototype that they eventually like push on a company that finally is like, oh, maybe we can make some money off this, right? It's like Carter Bryant is that guy. Yeah, he was obviously super passionate. But if, I mean, if you look at his Instagram, I think it just mentions Bratz at the very end of his profile. And his Instagram is mostly just like him, like a, his dog, some food, just very regular Instagram stuff. Because he became so burnt out and disillusioned with the toy industry, the doll industry, and like the thing he created after this this trial he it lasted for years he at this point had lost i think he made about 30 million dollars off of brats he'd lost it all in like some bad investments before the trial started and the trial put him at front and center there's a really like the in the first part of the trial um what ended with mattel mattel technically owned brats for a little bit after that trial um Carter was like under oath. He had to talk about porn he had on his computer. He was asked if he, like he had to out himself under oath in this trial because like he was thrust into the spotlight and he never wanted it because he would, when you had these two massive companies fighting each other, he was that little axis on the seesaw that determined who was going to end up on top. Mm -hmm. And I, there was um, an interview with the attorney, uh, her last name was Keller, um, in the second part of the trial after uh, the first appeal. Um, and she said, I couldn't get a hold of Keller. I mean, I couldn't get a hold of Carter Bryant. Um, he was so aloof. He did not want to be in this in this next Gee, trial. I wonder why. Uh, the judge... Right. <laughs> <laughs> The judge actually said, like, you need to come or you will be held in contempt of court. And she said when she first saw him just like a few hours before she was supposed to actually interview him on the stand, she said that he looked like a shell of a person. She'd seen photos of him from the first trial. Like he was just he came to trial in a T-shirt. He was unshaven. 
like he was just absolutely defeated by this entire ordeal. And yeah, he left as soon as this ha um, happened, he left the doll industry. He even said like, I feel radioactive because no one will hire me because of this situation. And MGA doesn't want to defend me because if like I, they're in this mess because of me and they're spending all this money because of me. And Mattel hates me because of this whole mess and they think I stole their idea. Yeah, yeah, that's so brutal. It's like once yeah. again, no, it in, these, in, the gears. in these sort of like shadow boxing matches for like representation in doll in toys, who suffers the most? Well, it's not the straight CEOs who fuck their brother over. It's like the guy, the gay man who sacrificed his his career to make this doll he was passionate about, and who is now getting like that the company is perfectly happy to shove onto the witness stand and be like, yeah, you're going to have to out yourself. Cause you're going to have to prove that you're not a pedophile, blah, blah, blah. Sorry guy. Like that's just the way it is in this business. Right. Like it's like who suffers when these things, when these sort of like fights over this money happens, it's never, it's never the brand. Ultimately it's never the CEO. Ultimately it's always these people who are actually passionate about these things and want to push the conversation forward and want to make it so like, you know, like young people who aren't represented or people like non-white people or queer people or whatever who aren't represented, they're the ones that bear the brunt of these sort of like culture wars, right? It's just like, it's he got fucked by this. Isaac Larian is still a fucking billionaire, so nothing touches him. This guy, not that Carter Bryant, obviously, like if you look at his Instagram, he seems to be having a, at least like some kind of like, life with his partner and his daughter and everything and that's awesome like i hope he's like fully recovered but like he was the one that got screwed over not the company that's some traumatic shit exactly right and it's and like i'm sure i'm sure with this whole thing with like isaac larry saying all this racist shit like and then um amina mucciolo sorry yes so like amina oh, mucciolo like i'm sure she suffered way more sleepless nights and trauma than Isaac Laria ever did over the fact that he fucking said dumbass racist shit to her on Twitter. Like it's just, it, it's just, it's just painful to watch these things happen and sort of to your point, Craig of like, what do these achieve? They end up traumatizing more people, more people than they, or like the people that they're supposed to be helping. Right. I, yeah, it's just, and it's not because the conversation itself is bad or that these conversations don't need to happen, but it's like, the way they take place under our culture and under our sort of like profit driven things are like what causes all this grief and trauma to the people who they're supposed to be helping and who get hold up, held up. It's like, this is who we're representing at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a wedge issue, right? Like sexuality and, mm -hmm. and kids and like how to raise your kids and like values and all that stuff and what it, that's informed by if it's informed by like your white western american dream etc or if it's a more like realistic less fantastic like actual um narrative <laughs> that more people are can actually identify with and doesn't you know doesn't require you crawling over and stepping on everyone's neck on your way to the top yeah um yeah it's just if you i feel like we've we've wrapped up our economy in in a lot of this we've certainly wrapped up our media and our news and like our cycles of outrage our social media and, and everything um 
but we've also wrapped up like our politics in it right like how our country is supposed to at like a procedural level function um is now being informed by conspiracy <laughs> theories and like yeah. some subgroups of whatever and like these wedge issues or like you know different what sort of curriculum is in the school and what who's getting taught what and what's worth learning and what's not worth learning or what if everyone learns it what's gonna like cause the fabric of society to crumble like what what sort of like forbidden knowledge that you can teach at a school that's gonna <laughs> undermine the the core of society and the fear that wow. it stokes up when you when you talk about things in those terms and like disengage your actual rational mind and play off of again going back to the, how you sell toys by playing off of people's emotions and manipulating people right for a pile of plastic and a bunch of traumatized fucking adults <laughs> right <laughs> and a few people at the top who that are all disproportionately the yeah. white dudes um who are already rich to begin with just end up getting richer yeah yeah that does get harsh back to like i was talking about how i thought it might have been more of like a politically motivated thing when all these controversies were coming out but yeah it does make me think about the conspiracy theories like surrounding like yeah the how we have to find a talking point like republicans are like struggling to find talking points now that biden's in office because it's like oh he's doing an okay job so let's talk about how they're Is trying to cancel though, mr I, potato sorry head or something. i'm not gonna i don't want to turn this into a biden <laughs> I'm not saying sucks he's doing a job, but i'm but... saying the republicans are having trouble finding ways to attack him i should say yeah yeah well Which i think that says more about more the republicans about... than it does yeah, about yeah, Obama, absolutely. Well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's why they're attacking things like mr potato head or like well the mr potato head is another great example of like probably the reason that they did that was because it means they only have to make one package you know, it's like ultimately like that right. saves the company a shitload of money. And going back <laughs> yeah. to my thing about the forces of production, it's like, hey, it also probably sold more potato heads than it didn't. Right. Probably a bunch of like like people who have Biden Harris 2020 in their profile were like, I'm going to buy my niece three potato heads once they come out with it. Yeah. And it's like the company clearly knew like, well, this is going to cause controversy, but we know we're going to save a bunch of money by making only one package instead of two separate packages with two sets of accessories. And the controversy will sell enough that the offset of, you know, like people with MAGA hats, not buying them is going to offset is going to be offset by the cost that people with, you know, blue wave stickers or blue wave in their profile are going to buy a bunch more. Right. And it's like, <laughs> that actually segues into another thing. I think we should talk about, mm -hmm. which Wait. is, again, I think Craig, you mentioned, we've mentioned a little bit, but the MGA has other properties, including the LOL doll, LOL surprise dolls. I, I mean, unbox this and, LOL uh, surprise yes. for I us, do bud. feel like Bratz takes all, like they clearly took all of the things they, that happened with Bratz and were like, how can we like apply this to like an actual intentional psyop that sells more dolls and that's just my insane conspiracy theory about the lol surprise dolls uh but i do want to get into this i wanted so so um oh my god yes okay so like the lol surprise dolls are sort of like they they came out in 2017 and craig if i'm not mistaken before we started recording you said you nieces are obsessed with these dolls right 
they were a couple of years ago when right, I last okay. saw them. Yeah. So what they sure. did was they took, they created some blind unboxed dolls, like essentially like those kind of toys that you get that are like, you don't know what you're getting and it's a surprise. And the whole point is to make it random. So then you get a surprise and it's cute. And also then you have to either buy more or trade or whatever. And it becomes the part of the marketing is this like oh, surprise. You bet I, did. I had to LOL. It's a good gimmick. A lot of the toy companies surprise are picking dolls. it up. It's definitely something that sort of came up and has become a major thing now. And mm -hmm. so the thing is, uh, these dolls generated their own controversy a couple years ago. Uh, basically there was a feature on some of them where if you dip them in cold water, they'd change colors. And apparently there's a, and there's a video that we watched before this and uh, Tess, have you seen this? Okay. You did. Yeah. Of this, like obviously very like suburban middle-class mom, like dipping these dolls and revealing that some of them have like lingerie or tattoos or sort of like very risque like so the dolls themselves look like babies like they look like little like like the way you would imagine like a disney cartoon baby looks they have like the michelin man thighs that babies have and they have like a little belly but they also have like very feminine eyes like they have the brat's eyes and lips kind of thing but they look, it's like, it's like if troll dolls were like f super feminine, basically with plastic hair mm -hmm. and this mom dips these dolls in water and these, these cut, these paints appear on them or whatever that are clearly like whatever, like hyper color paints that do look like very like adult lingerie. Like it doesn't look like a kid wearing a bathing suit. Mm -hmm. um, and we will link this in the description, but this was like a controversy um, and I just can't help but feel that this, whatever you want to say about the whole original Bratz controversy, like how that was started, this feels like MGA deliberately stirring up controversy to me. I don't know. How do you do down. I think based on what now I know, um, kind of what was going on behind the scenes i i do think this was deliberate i wonder i wish i could have seen the commercials for this because i i wonder how much of a feature they like they kind of had this as a selling point or if this was supposed to be something that they hoped that kids would maybe discover on their own type thing and then that would kind of stir up like this viral kind of word of mouth thing about them so that's kind of what i think but it does seem like especially if they're like like these look even like they're geared towards a younger audience than the, than the brat stalls. So yeah, I'd say it's, it's, it's kind of controversial. Some of them didn't look like they were like lingerie though. Some of them would look like shapes, like just kind of showed up on their like boots or whatever. And so it does feel like they're kind of trying to straddle the line between like something that was just fun for kids and something that was like, Oh, the kids are going to think that this is super edgy and like, they're going to tell their friends about it. So yeah, I do think it was, uh deliberately controversial yeah yeah one was like a strappy number where you're like yeah, okay that I, one. I get i get the reaction but i'm also like someone i don't i do love the 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 uh, mind map you're making of okay like the conspiracy map of okay they're gonna do this really like risque 
invisible uh, pseudo bondage looking uh, undergarments on this doll and then we'll make more money because someone will make a viral video of it. I'm like, I kind of hope that's accurate to what the real situation is because it's so wild and left field. And I mean, we it's, wouldn't be talking about yeah. them. It's one yeah. of two things. Either this was like someone, they were like, we'll do these color changing dolls because we have this color changing paint and it's really cool. And because some of them actually do, like there are some of them that it's, that's a feature that like they advertise was like, if you dip this one in cold water, it changes, its skin changes to blue. Like there were that kind of thing going on. Mm -hmm. So there's this aspect of it, of they were marketing that, but then like it could easily be a bunch of designers were, you know, had a deadline and needed and were snorting a bunch of Coke and just needed to come up with things that these dolls could wear. And were like, I don't know, just like, like draw a bunch of stuff and do to do it. And they just threw it in some, and then like someone in the department was like, all right, I guess we're doing this. Has Isaac seen this? And Isaac was like off, like yelling at Instagram influencers or taking a break from, from communicating because he'd like, you know, like said too many demeaning things to employees. So they couldn't actually get just someone to be like, are you crazy? This looks like they're wearing a dominatrix outfit. Like no one was there to just say that that's totally possible, but it feels like it just feels like it's again, yeah. that same thing with like what we talked about with the plausible deniability of the, like the, of the Amina Mucciolo, the, the doll that looks like her, it's just changed enough that you could see that you can, you can plead, but it just feels like with a company that has all this money and all this time to develop these things, like, and, and, and obviously has a research and marketing department. Like it just feels like someone would have caught it. Cause like, again, all of us work in children's entertainment. We know how much time they spend thinking about these things and whether mm -hmm. it's worth it or not. And it's again, a calculus. It's a, it's a, it's an, a completely amoral money calculus of like, will this controversy make us more money? Well, I think we can take this risk because if we lose money on it, it's still going to be good for the brand in the long term or whatever. Right. I just, I can't help but be conspiratorial minded it, especially, especially all the stuff Tess you said about like this book and the way the Bratz trial went down and everything. Like they just saw it as an acceptable risk whether or not it was like, well, we kind of did this by accident and now we have this thing or whether or not it was like, Hey, we haven't been in the news in a while. And that's kind of our thing. How do we do that? Fortune favors Bingo. the bold. <laughs> Bingo. Yeah. Exactly. What do you think is more likely <laughs> that uh, it was not intentionally let through, like it made it through all the approval rounds all the way up or whatever, as high as it needed to go and made a full production run to market without the proper eyes get, getting on it. Or it was just a strategic decision of like, okay, this is what can, what the cost will be. If like worst case scenario, everyone hates it or whatever, we get in trouble, we get in some sort of legal trouble or we, we have to discontinue it. Or I don't know, I don't know what the other options are for like penalties for a toy company for stuff like that. But what's the worst case scenario and factor that into your budget. And then what's like the best to like most likely in the middle scenario. And it probably was like, yeah, we might have to end up paying some fines or like pull some stuff from some shelves and some markets or something. But 
it's going to contribute. It's going to bolster the existing brand, which is a little has a little bit of like a cheeky, edgy reputation. Anyways, a bold reputation. Yeah. I, it, obviously, I mean, it's so obvious. It's not even close to a conspiracy, Joe. I I don't. I think like a conspiracy cannot <laughs> exist within. Yeah, it was a, planned. Greg has joined me in no, the no, tinfoil no. hat department. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> Let us put on our caps it's, it's and just chant. Like, um, <laughs> no, it's yeah. fiduciary duty when it's in the context of a corporation. <laughs> it's not a conspiracy. It's like they're legally obligated yeah. to do that. If you, you know, of all the of all the things, you know, like the jokes about like things being Orwellian or Kafka-esque lately, like how that term gets overused. It's like <laughs> we have a fiduciary duty to flirt with pedophilia. Is like the most kafka-esque statement we've had we've said in a long time and you're yeah. absolutely correct it does yeah it did kind of feel like that they're like okay so we know that like the sexier dolls sell how are we how are we gonna sneak some sexiness into this new doll line it's kind of like what Keep in mind, they're like they're trying a lot to do more here, similar to babies than the last line of toys <laughs> oh yeah oh 100 that's why they're like we, we gotta, gotta really we gotta sexy slide it, it in there yeah. on the with the yeah. color changing paint i don't know or the hyper color paint <laughs> wow yeah innovative stuff though literally the woman in, really... the, in the youtube video calls out the save the children hashtag which the funniest thing is the the articles that talk about it are like well it it is supposed to be a hashtag about like child sex trafficking but it has been possibly co-opted by QAnon and it's like no no it's a QAnon hashtag like but like clearly Only. like this that's like such a like how do you how like again like you wonder why people believe in these things when this sort of shit goes on right it's like and and you know some people and we've got all this <laughs> mystification of like wh- like sort of like hagiography of what CEOs do and what companies do and we're surprised when people start to believe that there are like satanic pedophiles underneath everything, like with this shit going on, like no wonder people start to blur those lines too. I right? pretty much just assume if your net worth is beyond a certain threshold <laughs> that you're like all of the worst things I can imagine. You're, yeah. And then I you're actively work working against society information that I receive in the in real world. Well, it's true. Like, yeah even the most altruistic things that you see billionaires do it's like you know there's just like extra profits for them at the end of whatever they're doing so even yeah. as good as it looks it's prop they're still just lining their pockets at the end it's like elon Musk. well you're giving internet to everyone it's like mm, no you, you you make it seem like you're trying to give internet to the world but if you wanted to do that you could just lay cables and do it way cheaper you want to like do this big dick space thing and space yeah but yeah Gotta love them. Billionaires. Gotta love them. Love them <laughs> all the way to the bank. Yeah. Especially this new one I'm learning. What's his name again? Larry Larian? Isaac Larian. Yeah. Isaac Larian. Sounds like a real, like a new new billionaire. New I gotta guy. keep my eye on. So, yeah. Sounds like a Final Fantasy character. <laughs> so I don't want to jump the gun or anything, but I'm dying to know the answer to this question. For Tess, I'm not going to assume that you don't have children, but I'm going to ask you first, I guess, if you had a child, if you don't, um, would you want 
your child having Bratz dolls? Yeah, I th my short answer is yes. Uh, my long answer is it's because I, I, I do think I, I find it difficult to separate myself from, from a really, uh, rose, like, like rose colored idealization of like what they could be because there is so much contemporary buzz about, about them as like empowering symbols based in the early aughts. That's just because I feel like I've experienced that messaging a lot more recently. Um, I think, I mean, when I was a kid, I thought they looked so freaking cool. Megan, oh my gosh, you could put some of Cameron's clothes on Megan. Oh, like, oh my God, Megan yes. had a really cool squash beret too. Oh, yeah, oh my, it, they had gr great look. I, as a child, I really loved them. Um, and so there is a little bit of that, uh, uh, not nostalgia, but positive feelings. No, I, no, you have a, we, just like we have Ninja Turtles shaped brains, you have a Megan shaped <laughs> brain. It happened. My brain is shaped like Raphael. I'm pretty sure Wes's brain is shaped like Michelangelo and Greg yeah, could right. be Leonardo or Donatello, probably a mix of both, but I could, I don't Donatello. know, I could be way off base. Uh, but yeah, you're, I was actually more into Transformers. Oh, yeah, yeah, but Ninja okay. Turtles were a close second. Yeah, so okay, so Wes's nice. brain is like Optimus Prime. I'm actually, wearing a Ninja or a Transformers yeah, shirt okay, right now. There we go. So, <laughs> gosh, good. Okay, he's not lying. He's not lying. We saw it. We saw it. Uh, he's seen it. And and your brain is a little bit Megan shaped, and that's like colors everything you you do with these dolls. But yes. Yeah, and I definitely, I I do not want to disregard like the very real effects that dolls uh have on uh like children's self-worth and or body image and uh i it's definitely something that people need to talk about uh in terms of like literacy with children's toys and have that literacy with how their children play with toys um that being said uh, I, they might look really cool and if a kid was like can i please have this I'm like yeah sure it's 17 <laughs> bucks or something Okay. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I think like for me, the same thing, I don't have kids. If I ever had kids, uh, it would be, it's sort of like, like from what I understand from what I've seen of like my, my close family and friends having children is it's like, it's a series of compromises and like, just like, you know, what is this life that I've brought into the world need? What are they, what do they, what do I think is good for them versus what do they think is good for them? And like, how can we, how can we, you know, like get to that point where we're not in complete tension, but also I am looking out for the good and still letting them sort of like experience the world. And it's like, yeah, like, I think like the question I put on the little outline that I did was like, how would you approach your child wanting one? And I think like, at the end of the day, it's like, well, if, if like you said, Tess, if like my kid really wanted one, it would be like, yeah, okay, let's do it. But like, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily like be like, okay, before you can buy this doll, let's have a conversation and you need to read Naomi Wolf's The Beauty Myth. But like, it would be, there would be an interrogation <laughs> there, right? Of like, of like, okay, great. You got this Bratz doll. Like, so, you know, why do you like this Bratz doll? Even after they have it, right? Like, like, what's great about Megan? What do you like about Megan? Like, what do you think about Megan this and that? And like, 
like, you know, Megan has a boyfriend. Like, do you want a boyfriend? Like, do, or do you want a girlfriend? Like, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I think like having that dialogue with your child over it is like more important than whether or not you buy it. And again, I'm not a parent, so mm -hmm. I, maybe I'm just wrong. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I think as a parent, um, as a parent, the only parent Joe is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I figure by the time, uh, if I, if I have a daughter, or if my son decides he wants to play with brats, I, yeah, I think at that age, what's the age group they're targeted at? Do we know? It's not really even the age. Like, this is the thing is like, we, they, again, they, they love this game of like, well, Rats actually we're yeah. for like preteens, but you know, if you sell yeah. it and like, same with those, those lol surprise dolls, it's like, there's, there's a game of like, there's like a little bit of like playing the three card Monty kind of thing going on, but yeah. Um, and like speaking from my own experience, like playing with toys, I mean, I don't think I would discourage my children from playing with brats if it was something that they were drawn to. I think nowadays there's a lot more options available to parents. So I think like, yeah, like Joe, you said that I would, I would have a discussion and ask like, Oh, why are you interested with that? What's why, why are you drawn to that type thing? Um, but if ultimately they they wanted to get it, I don't think I would I would not even them. a seventeen dollar price just, point. <laughs> I mean, you can have one. I'd you have can, to see. I'd can, have to see what kind of accessories come with it. You have to choose whether you want Jade, <laughs> Yasmin, Chloe, or yeah. Raya. If I get a few outfits with it, seventeen okay, dollars, okay. it's not too bad. If it's just one outfit, <laughs> one outfit, one pair of shoes, I mean, that's that's a hard sell. <laughs> we didn't even but talk about their true. feet. Their feet come off. They don't have the shoes. Feet come they, off. Their feet come off and you Whoa. switch their entire foot out. That's how she should really work. Whoa. Yeah. The foot yeah. is the shoe. Well. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Brit, let's let's, so let's, let's unpack doing this. some vigorous activity, I'd put on my vigorous activity feet slash shoes. And then for my sitting around in my I mean, home office perpetually for <laughs> 22 hours a day, then I just put on my home office feet shoes. I think I think we're gonna get to the point where uh like this is probably like half a century away, but we'll get to the point where our replacement prosthetics. Yes, the prosthetics are gonna get to a point where people might start amputating their limbs to get Once prosthetics. Again, Wes's views do not represent the views of second bananas <laughs> yeah. or our parent corporation Mattel. This will be this will be in the post AI justice system <laughs> world. <laughs> Dear motorist, you have been found guilty of parking. <laughs> you are now sentenced to death. <laughs> yes. You will be shot off to Mars. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, we God, also didn't even get enough. into the judge Wait. that presided over the Bratz Mattel case was eventually me tooed. He was eventually oh. caught for being a total fucking perv and sending like pornography. He posted pornography to his oh. personal website, which is what got him caught. But then a bunch of clerks came out and he was like the kind of guy that would like talk about, talk to his female staff about their body parts and stuff like that. And like that, that's like a whole other, like, again, like the brats thing, just like tests you like, you you gave us this thing that I thought was like, okay, it's cool. We're going to find some dolls. We're going to talk about them in relation and like, <laughs> like body image and stuff like that. And it just opened this you whole seedy underbelly nest. of like, of like sexual <laughs> gender and racial politics in relation to children and, and youth Power and childism imbalances. that like, 
I did not see coming and power analysis that was like, wow. Like we, we just like, this was, I just want to say this was That's a real, fantastic it's real turtles all the way down situation. I, I appreciate it's, you bringing this to us. Like, it was wow, so great. Oh yeah. Big time. Yes. That was a, <laughs> good, time, yeah. a good little like scratch <laughs> and keep on scratching and more and more and more. And you're just like, oh my God. Like, yeah, we didn't, there were so many other things. Like we didn't get into all of the various TV shows and movies that came out of this, including Tess really wanted to talk about the live action Bratz movie, which if is an absolute, I want to watch the live action one. I, yes. Oh my God. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. It's, oh my God. Okay. Well, and I included a clip out. from sort of the climax of the movie, which John Voight is in, by the way. <laughs> John Voight oh plays God. the dad of the evil oh girl that's God. like antagonizing them. Because the whole oh thing is like God. they go to school and they all belong in different cliques, but they're friends. So they're trying not to separate while all the cliques kind of tear them apart. And like the, the basically <laughs> like the, 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 um, the like uh, Gretchen wieners of the school. It's clearly like, Hey, how can we make this like mean girls? But like the Gretchen wieners mm -hmm. of the school is trying to make them all separate into their cliques and not be friends anymore. And she's also rich. So she has like a sweet 16 party. And at that point she's gotten, for some reason she's compelled them to sexy. dress like clowns and serve drinks at her <laughs> birthday party. And they're like, they turn the clown outfits into cool girl clowns. Oh, damn. That's definitely what Bratz would do. Okay, and sold. It's, uh, it's, it's truly like, it's one of those movies that like I, I want to watch because I just want to appreciate the, the insanity of it. But Tess, did you have anything you wanted to say about the, the Bratz live action or any other media before we? Oh, the Bratz live action film. Like the film itself is just like, a very generic oh uh teen girl conflict film and they'll all be friends friendship wins in the end whatever movie john void of course is in it because he needs checks every now and then oh dude uh <laughs> the guy who made it though like sean mcnamara he's like okay he's like this guy who's done a whole bunch of um like Disney original films. Uh, he does like a lot of kids films. Like I, he did the um, like even Stevens movies, uh, the Sweet Life movie. Oh yes, and Zach and Cody. <laughs> but he moved on up with Soul Surfer, which was like I believe a, like a Christian surfing movie. Hell yeah! I think and Sean McNamara. Yes. Like there's something about like looking at him on IMDb. He strikes me as a very similar type of guy to Isaac Larian. And I don't, I, I don't want to like preempt anything you have to say, but like, there's something about him that is like frighteningly familiar to everything we've been talking about. So please continue. Yeah. Like a charismatic dude who's like had a lot of hits and misses, but like also seems like kind of conservative as well too. Uh, so, okay. This man who's also done uh, Cats and Dogs 3, Paws Unite, and Baby Geniuses and the Treasures of Egypt. Mm -hmm. He's doing this fucking Reagan biopic. <laughs> what? It's a Reagan biopic that is going to be very pro-Reagan. Oh, man. It's nice. got Dennis Quaid because, of course. Yep. It has Perfect. John Voight because, of yeah. course. Uh, Reagan. <laughs> Reagan. Oh, man, yeah. That sounds like, sounds like it'll be a hit. 
Yeah, it's based on this book about like the f Ronald Reagan fighting communism, and I think it's called like the Crusader or something. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, the guy who made the Bratz movie, which was like a financial and critical flop, if that was not clear already. Was it theatrical? He... I just watched the trailer. I couldn't tell if it was yeah. in theaters. Okay, okay, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It totally Looks pretty was. floppy I... for a theater movie. <laughs> Interestingly, it's not John. on his IMDb page yet, but it's on his Wikipedia page. He was hired in 2016 to do this movie, and it hasn't come out yet. <laughs> That's a good sign, yeah, right? Totally. Just went I don't know. <laughs> There's got to be Dennis some sort Quaid, of counterbalance against Quaid. David the Henry. Hollywood liberals taking over everything. Yeah. <sighs> Kevin Dillon is in it. Mina Savari. Uh, it's fascinating. Great. Yeah, John Voight. Okay. So you're Republican? I don't think I knew that. Yeah, it's based on the book The Crusader, Ronald Reagan, and the Fall of Communism. <laughs> yeah, it was him. Oh my gosh. He did it. Yeah. I... Mission, mission accomplished. He did. <laughs> he single handedly slayed communism. Uh... <laughs> well, look forward to that one. Well, you never know. Maybe we'll have you back on to review that on the podcast for some as a oh as a gosh. sort of a what's uh Ooh, like wasn't yeah. there like a dot we'll figure it out we'll make this a second banana or something but <laughs> yeah but yeah. yeah totally like we this guy who you know movies he's kind of a mercenary but also like just makes a ton of shit like the fact that he did cats and dogs three is really great too <laughs> a real stellar Soul hit, surfer. that looks like kind of a banger <laughs> that one that one like i've heard of like i've heard of that movie in yeah the ether. yeah i feel like i've definitely remembered Helen Hunt, like a kevin thing. sorbo dennis what's Quaid, interesting Carrie underwood oh kevin oh, sorbo go. kevin yeah. sorbo <laughs> he's got all this is like the greatest god is of dead like guy douchey republicans soldier of god, soldier of god kevin in, uh, sorbo. in 2012 kevin he directed a movie called schmagreggy <laughs> saves the world schmagreggy <laughs> Uh, he's done Cody the Robo Sapien, uh, Baby Geniuses and the Treasures of Egypt. He has, he has, um, Damn. he has, so his, yeah, on his director, his first credit is executive producer, uh, which is an interesting credit to have as your number one credit. Uh, a total of, total of 56 producer credits, but 79 director credits. Uh, Reagan is in there. Uh, and then there are literally, so that's in filming. He has, 10 other projects in pre-production or announced after Reagan that don't even have dates yet. So just like a Dude, guy, busy, busy Lots guy, of irons um, in the fire. <laughs> but like, yeah, none of them, anything that is like anticipated or hyped. So literally one of them is like in brackets story in the Hollywood reporter announced. <laughs> <laughs> it's as good as made. Fine. <laughs> well sean mcnamara isaac larian will discover what type of guy they are very soon um ah oh, this whole saga has been again fascinating thank you tess uh do you have any final brats thoughts with a Z? brats thoughts <laughs> oh my thoughts uh, I am excited for this website to finally update so we can find out what is truly coming soon yeah. in the Bratz world. Uh, that would be I need to know. incredible. Um, I, I can't recommend enough looking into just reading about 
Mattel and MGA like really just going at it for years and how Bratz, I mean, Bratz somehow can't be stopped no matter what. <laughs> they just keep Cannot rising from the dead. They just, yeah. 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 Almost like zombie high. Or what was that? Oh, <laughs> Monster High. Um, Forget that. Monster, Monster High, Mattel. damn it. There's a zombie in there. Monsters, Don't worry, but... that's fine. <laughs> Forget it. I'll cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> Do not cut that out. <laughs> uh, now, all the Bratz dolls, they all have, like, cool nicknames. Like, Cameron is The Blaze, Megan, oh. uh, Funky Fashion Monkey. What would your guys' uh, nicknames well, be? If I, I would have Bratz to doll? give Cameron a run yeah. for his money on The Blaze. Because that was my nickname in high school, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just kidding. That wasn't. He was a pyro. <laughs> yeah. Craig, Craig burned down several high schools, actually. That's where that nickname comes yeah. from. He's still on the run. <laughs> Who would I be? I'd be Gucci Gamer Guy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So no one else saying anything now because that's the best one. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't I'd, know. I'd, I'd only wear Gucci. Gucci and, and just, yeah. Just be a yeah. dude. Video games would be my motif. Just being a dude wearing Gucci playing games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Triple G. Hey, you can have that one, Larian. I think I think for me, I would be like the Raya of these dolls because like if you know the history of the core four, Raya was they tried to inject Raya as a fifth member of the core dolls. And apparently people hated her. And I also watched a couple of videos where clearly she had this kind of like dirty hippie vibe and i'm not a dirty hippie but i am kind of a dirt bag so i feel like i <laughs> i occupy the same space as raya in that like i'm constantly trying to get get into like the the core group but i'm constantly being rejected from it and i'm also too like uncouth to really fit in with the cool kids so i feel like whatever raya's nickname i would be like the masculine version of that basically so probably like the, the, like that would be it the masculine uh, raya the masculine the masculine oh. raya that would be my nickname raya. her her name was sun rays so you would be i would be like moon beams moon, moon beam moon beam <laughs> moon beam man moonbeam boy moonbeam <laughs> super moon, we're just <laughs> Moonbeam with names a Z. That would be my moonshine. Moonbeam. I kind of like that. Yeah. Moonshine. I kind of want to have a cat and name it Moonbeams now. Yeah. And then you'll what always think about it. All right. Your and Tess. Yeah. What would your brat's nickname be? Uh, I think I would call myself. Uh. Uh. Vanny yogurt because I'm plain like <laughs> vanilla yogurt, but I'm also like a little sour and I'm full of sugar. Aww. <laughs> Wait, yogurt has sugar? Van I mean, vanilla yogurt freaking yeah. Oh, God, that's my favorite yogurt. Oh, <laughs> God, my diabetes. Yeah. This won't help with the sugar, but I've switched to coconut yogurt and I prefer it. But mm. non dairy. 2% nice. coconut yogurt. It's got the little I yogurt like shreds in it. Non non-dairy or actual dairy actual yogurt mm -hmm. it's dairy sorry i my wife did oh, eat so the non-dairy coconut yogurt for a while mm -hmm. actually made of coconut or whatever it was and she liked that still so, good yeah but i won't i won't okay. stray you too much from your vanny yogurt nickname so <laughs> vanny yo i like oh, it vanny yo. Vanny oh, yo. Oh, yeah. it's a good it's a good nickname 
Um, what about you, Craig? I mean, I will probably defer to my nickname when I actually, my actual nickname when I was in high school, which was Sideshow because I had curly hair that went out like everywhere, like Sideshow Blonde. <laughs> All right, we're crediting oh, you as Craig please. Sideshow Blanchard oh, on the pod for now on. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I would love to see that. Oh, you, I mean, you used to have pretty yeah, long hair. It still kind of. I haven't seen you with longer hair like in a while. It's gotten more wavy and less like curly cuey. Um, the older I've gotten, so I don't know if it would have the same yeah. like clown like <laughs> aspect to uh-huh. it these days. There's only <laughs> one true. way to find it's out. It's true. Just gotta grow it out. Thanks for coming on, Tess. This was a great episode. And uh, do you have any plugs? Would you like to plug anything? I guess the uh, the one place where you can find me uh, just retweeting things and then sometimes posting uh, would be on my Twitter, which is T-E-S-S-R-E-I-D, Tess Reed. And uh, yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter. It's a hellscape, but we all love it. <laughs> Tess, Absolutely. Tess, is a, Tess is a quality poster when she posts, trust me. Uh, I'll have bad. to follow you. Yeah. So check her out. Um, you can follow us. We're at two the number two bananas pod on Twitter and Instagram, or you can email us secondbananaspod at gmail.com. Uh, are we doing personal Twitters and stuff? Uh, let's not. Let's yeah. leave it. Let's let Tess have the glory. Oh, uh, secret. They can probably find they us if they want us. They know where we are. Uh, they follow can Tess. Us. Uh, check her art out. Check her comics out um uh she's got some great comics about uh estonian folklore she's got some other comics too uh and uh we yeah, appreciate you coming on Tess. thank you so much thanks i hope you guys are excited for the next line of brats to come out because i'll see you guys at the toy store <laughs> hell yeah <laughs> i'll see you there i'll be yes. right for we'll all be there oh together. my gosh of course <laughs> And we'll see you all next time on Second Bananas. Have a great day. Goodbye.